Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Owen Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And uh, we got some good TV news. I, I, I would ask, how's it going, Noel? But you're sick, so I know that it's not I'm going well. I'm very sick, yeah. <laughs> I've had a long week. <laughs> We've had some good TV news, so that's kind of helping to temper things, maybe. Uh, and that news is, drumroll. The CW renewed practically everything on its schedule. <laughs> it's very exciting. Um, I don't yeah. know about you. I did not anticipate a, a Crazy Ex-Girlfriend pickup. Certainly not this early. Like, I thought that yes. might be one they had to decide on, like, critical buzz versus nobody watching it. But that feels lovely. Yeah, no, it's really great. And, yeah, I didn't expect Crazy X or Jane even really to get picked up again. I definitely didn't expect Rain to get picked up again. Um, but yeah, all three of those, and I, I've stopped watching Rain, but, um, Jane and Crazy X just really surprised me and I'm very, very happy about it. And like we were saying before we started recording, if we, if having to do more lucrative Legends of Tomorrow means we get more Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, I'm good with that. I, you know, and, and Legends of Tomorrow is getting better. Um, we're not talking about it this week, uh, cause there's too many other things to talk about. Um, but but it is it is getting better, and they're finding some of their dynamics. So hey, I can take another you know shortened season that I will watch all of, even if it's probably not very good of Legends tomorrow. If it means that we get these great shows that hopefully more people will continue to find. Right. My only big question about this is the fact that they renewed everything. Either they have a lot of faith in their programming slate, which they should, because it's easily the strongest network programming schedule most consistent but it's also makes me wonder about their development cycle for this past season Mm -hmm. and if they just didn't have anything that they liked this year yeah and i mean that could be part of it and then that's perfectly fine that they just went well we've got this really strong crop of stuff that's working for us on multiple levels whether it's critical acclaim or ratings acclaim and we don't need to we don't need to mess with what's what's working and so I, I'd be curious to know how their pr- pr- pilot development slate was this this year. And if, but who cares? Because yeah. we're getting some really great stuff still, and that's great. And they have a decent mix of like newer shows and older shows. So it's not like their entire lineup is aging, um, right? I mean, their oldest show, Supernatural, oh <laughs> twelve seasons. Twelve. It's going to be twelve seasons. Oh, it's insane. That show is going to be Gunsmoke, <laughs> and Dick Wolf is going to be so pissed. <laughs> Well, another, of course, show we haven't mentioned up here at the top yet that did get renewed is The 100, and mm-hmm. uh, we will have a lot of, of 100 talk this week. We, yes. for the first time since the segment, the DVD shelf on Breaking Bad, quite a while back, um, we have just taken the the last segment of the show and put it on its own, like, on the feed separately, because it's over an hour long. So we, we were very fortunate to talk with Mo Ryan of Variety about the hundred, about thir- the episode thirteen, and what happens in that episode, um, and so that will be instead of at the end of the podcast, that will be a, a separate um, segment in your in your feed. So uh, we are, you know, it was a great segment. It was lovely to talk with Mo, and hopefully you guys yes. will enjoy that. 
yeah no it was a, it was a terrific terrific discussion and uh moe's moe's great of course yeah and we're also going to talk a bit about the hundred this week's this week's episode right. of the hundred like outside of just the the issues surrounding the episode uh 13 but um uh, yeah i have many thoughts you have so many thoughts as well and they are in that segment and we hope you enjoy yes. them yes. <laughs> but we should get into our weekend tv because it is a lengthy one lots of yes. finales lots of premieres um so we will take a break and be right back with our weekend comedy This week in comedy, we're going to talk a bit about the Carmichael show, which had its season premiere, Everybody Cheats. Uh, then I'll talk about the finales for It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, The Gang Goes to Hell Part 2, and Man Seeking Woman's finale, Balloon. Then I'll talk just a little bit about Girls, the last two episodes, and uh, we'll, we'll dive in with Jane the Virgin, Chapter 36, and Craziest Girlfriend, Josh is Going to Hawaii! Um, so the first one up is the Carmichael show, which I was very excited to see come back. We had one episode air this week. Um, as of when we're recording, it's moving to Sundays now, and there'll be two episodes a week starting um, this coming Sunday. So uh, we'll have two episodes to talk about next week. But, um, Noel, what is your relationship with Carmichael Show, and what did you think of this premiere? Here's my fun anecdote about the Carmichael Show. is I hadn't watched it until this week. Um, in preparation for this, I watched um, two episodes from last season. I watched Protest, and then I watched another episode. I forget which one. Um, <laughs> blame the meds <laughs> yeah no I am blaming all the meds and this uh, chest infection and so and then I watched the premiere of this season and I was really struck by and you can, t you can tell you can talk about this as well since I, you probably watched all of it when it aired um, the first season aired but I was just really struck by how this show functions as a really thoughtful conversational one act basically mm -hmm. and i find that just really refreshing and really interesting the conversational rhythms um how they don't go for like big jokes but they go for really small fun jokes that are also just kind of performance based um was just really really interesting and it's more about delivery and the topics that they're discussing are very interesting and the biggest thing, and this is really evident in protests, but also really evident in everybody cheats, is that in, they always zig instead of zagging. And that's great. Like, um, Jared gets upset that no one wants to celebrate his birthday. And that's a classic sitcom thing, that no one wants to celebrate my birthday. 
and then it just becomes this really nice meditation. And the same thing happens with the premiere of Everybody Cheats is that normally finding out that the person you're with is a cheater is cause for all this kind of weird, well, I'm going to get back at them or I'm going to do this so that we're even type stuff, even though she didn't cheat on him. But that, that kind mm-hmm. of mentality is really easy to fall into. And instead it becomes this, well, how do we work through this? And what are the emotional ramifications for us as a couple that our relationship started like that. And that's just really fascinating to watch. And it was really, really good. And so I really, really enjoyed it. And yeah, I just, it was really, really good. And it was one of the bright spots of my week, considering like like we've alluded to is that I've been sick this week. And so finding this like little treasure of a show was just really, really delightful for me. And yeah, I just, I really, really enjoyed it. And I was very, very happy with it. How did you feel about the premiere, especially having seen season one Uh, i liked it i thought it was very very good i thought it was solid um for the show it's not one of their best episodes but it's it's you know keeps up their batting average i would say i'm looking forward to their next episode which is more topical shall we say okay uh i'll leave that as a surprise for those who don't know what it is but um this one you know I think what you're you're saying, what you notice, Noel, is is really astute, and it's something that we've talked about back um, when season one. When I, you know, because I watched the pilot, and I think the pilot's solid, but not not great. Well, not nowhere near as interesting as the next five episodes of the first season. And so I watched it, went, eh, okay, whatever, better than Mr. Robinson. Which I mean, come on, <laughs> that's a really, really. I watched all of Miss, Mr. Robinson, so that's a really low bar. Low to clear. Bar. Yeah, and then heard all the buzz, went back went, oh, by the second episode, it's so much better. Um, and and I was noting even at the time, it does feel like an older show. You know, And we've been watching, for the DVD shelf, these older series. So Miami Vice, and uh, I watched a bunch of Kojak, and even like the first early seasons of Law & Order, we've watched you know some older TV. Um, not super old, but you know, still. Um, and I've been really struck by the way that those episodes have more time and there's just space and the the scenes breathe a bit more and i really feel that with the carmichael show because they're not going for jokes minute you know they're not going for a rat-a-tat kind of rhythm to the comedy um it does give it that much more lived in feel much more uh you know relatable and i think it's been really interesting to watch first with blackish and then following up here with the Carmichael show, and there may be other comedies that are doing this as well, but those are the the two that really come to mind for me. Blackish, I started noticing this back when they did their spanking episode, uh, corporal punish, punishment episode. Um, but they're taking the, the sort of Norman Lear approach to comedy, yes. um, yeah. and so to watch that in, instead of doing setup and premise based comedies uh episodes they're doing issue based episodes um and then having a conversation about it and i know some people are not fans of that they feel like it's the return to the very special episode but i think for me it's been actually really refreshing because these shows have done a good job with that they aren't (laughs) look at look at um these you know kind of slow an older type of, of storytelling maybe that we're getting in carmichael show but with very modern sensibilities with its topics and its conversations, but then look at something like Fuller House, which is also going to an older style, but maybe right. all the elements of an older style of TV that aren't as effective, at least for the two of us. Um, I, th- I think seeing just people sit around and talk and not need to go for the laugh line, not need to go for that, but just kind of meditate on a topic and give characters, like you're saying, 
responses that maybe they wouldn't that we wouldn't anticipate like i wouldn't immediately go to well let's talk about the socioeconomic aspect of cheating and right and, our... and that was really funny too at the same time yeah and that's the first thing that gerard goes to the yeah. fact that like that isn't like something that develops over the course of the conversation no. but it's literally the first thing he asks is very telling for the character and also speaks to um you know a different approach to the topic than maybe what at least what i've seen other shows do when they talk about cheating Right, and I think that this your point about a more issue-focused approach is really important because it's a nice way for sitcoms to swing into something new. I mean, we're, we're constantly talking about how, and we've been talking about how the sitcom genre has, is dying or is struggling to figure out what it wants to be or what it wants to do, uh, either aesthetically or in terms of how it arranges itself as, like, hangout comedies about late 20-somethings hanging out in coffee shops or bars or doing whatever and not really addressing anything that's going on in the world. It's about them. And this is a really... The reemergence of, like, a family sitcom, especially through ABC's work, um, has recalibrated things, I think, really nicely and is pushing the pushing it maybe back into, like, like you said, a more Norman Lear social issue type of approach, but I think that's a really important pendulum for us to swing back into as television, especially broadcast television, starts to uh, diversify the voices that we see and hear from. And I think that that's going to be something to really keep an eye on. And I think that's a really good thing. And I, I'm Carmichael Show and Blackish are both really good indicators of what what this could look like. Yeah, I agree. Um, and speaking of the Norman Lear approach, uh, may I just add at the at the website at thetelvers.org, I've put up um, on the side uh, our DVD shelf library with links to you know so you can search by the name of the show that we've talked about um, in the previous DVD shelves and go right to that episode. We have never done a Norman Lear show on the DVD shelf. When I add the uh, Noel and Kate's wish list area, there oh will boy. be at least one. Oh boy. Because I would love, to, man. I would yeah. love to do some uh, on the family, but uh, yeah, uh, again, very happy to have the Carmichael show back, and very much looking forward to our next episodes. I also really enjoyed this week the season finale of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. The gang goes to hell part two. This was they did a part one and part two, and it was really fun. I really enjoyed uh, my time with these characters. It's it's remarkable to me that because I get very tired of shows about jackasses. Um, in general, it was part of why so far we won't be talking about Flaked because I haven't seen enough of it to have a strong opinion aside from I'm tired of shows about jackasses. Um, anyways, the, um, the Always Sunny finale, just this show knows its characters so incredibly well and has gone through all the iterations of the, the base basic like comedy for the different characters and all the ideas and themes and come out the other side and can now comment on them without feeling painfully meta. Um, I, I think that's, it's just really remarkable that in their 11th season, I'm still really, I'm, I'm laughing out loud watching a comedy in its 11th season that almost never happens um usually it's sort of just like a chuckle of recognition and you like the characters enough that you don't really care that you've heard this joke before um so so i a tip of the hat to <laughs> the always sunny crew for 
um, continuing to for going out strong this season and for continuing to develop their characters and their themes like having uh, the the uh, Mac you know realize that he's gay and decide that God is dead <laughs> in the episode um, and and the re- reactions all the other characters have is fantastic uh, the sort of apocalyptic um, hell is other people stuff that they have going on as they all sit locked in a brig um, assuming that they're uh, going to die or Charlie de- determining they've already died. Um, it's just, it's just, it's really fun. So taking that setup that people are so familiar, I mean, I'm sure everybody read No Exit in school, right? Um, yes. But having it be with the Always Sunny gang, I think is, it really worked and I really enjoyed myself. So, uh, I know it's not for everyone, Noel. I know it's not your thing, but um, but I really enjoyed the Always Sunny finale. I also had a lot of fun with the Man Seeking Woman finale. My review of that is up at the AV Club. I dropped back in for, for that last episode. There is no word so far of a renewal or a cancellation for Man Seeking Woman, so I don't know if it'll be back again. Um, but I thought this was a solid way to go out. They 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 t- bring things full circle, and instead of focusing on Rosa the way that they have for the last several episodes. They bring the focus back to Mike and Josh's relationship, which I think is great. The the P- Mighty Morphin Power Rangers thing they do with giant robot Mike fighting giant robot Josh and all the townspeople scurrying and, like, waiting for the fight. And then they don't actually fight. Instead, they talk about their feelings. And everybody else kind of is looking up saying, you're giant robots, start fighting. Uh, I thought that was just such a great, you know, subtext on we expect men to handle differences through violence and, and get uncomfortable if they actually talk openly and honestly about their feelings. Um, he's like, punch, just punch each other already. Um, I don't know how explicit they're going with that and how much they were just trying to save money and not having a giant robot battle, but I thought it worked really well. Um, and uh, I think it's been a solid, if not great, second half to the season. I will. I think that they have even better heights in them. I don't know that all everything has come together at the same time for the show. Um, so episodes that have really great conceits and, and premises don't always have um, the best character stuff necessarily. And like, so, it has, so when it all lines up really powerfully, the show is fantastic. And when it doesn't, it's solid to very good. So I would say it's been in like the very good kind of area. If, but, um, but if it gets picked up for season three, I'll be very happy because I am always going to be happy with more surreal TV on, you know, out there. Do you feel like this season was better or worse than last season? I think it was more consistent. Okay, um, but does that does that mean better for you? Because that's always hmm. a weird question. Because consistent doesn't always mean better. I think. Yeah. Depending on like your standards and that sort of thing, consistent can be oh that was really good, but it wasn't like oh type of thing. I think um, if I th- if I think of the best episodes of the series, I think it'd be pretty split between okay. the two episodes or the two seasons, and probably I would actually emphasize more season two for that okay. but if i said um best moments or conceits or ideas i probably mm-hmm. would give that to season one so i think they, they did a better job of building episodes as a whole in the second season in the first season just their moments of like her new boyfriend is hitler or the text message summit or some of these other ideas that they had um you know there was more memorable i guess individual conceits and develop that were developed in the first season for me but um again 
I like to see any show try something new and, and really expand. So doing a five episode arc about one love interest rather than bringing in a, a new one every week, I think was really great. Having the parents around more in the, especially in the first half of season two was really great. Um, and they, they get, managed to get two more kids in the hall on, on the show in the last two episodes, which was, which was pretty fun. So, um, yeah, that's an interesting question. I would love to hear from listeners. Like I know, for example, Carl recently discovered the show and, and went back and watched it all. So Carl, what do you think about season one versus season two? And if we have other people who are, are watching, I would love to hear their thoughts as well. Bima, if you're listening, you know, drop us a tweet and let us know what you think. But, um, but yeah, I think it was, if it, if it ends, it ends on a good note. It ends on a callback to the text message thing. It really highlights how Josh has progressed and they really have gotten more and more explicit about their gender politics on the show and the, um, the bullshit of the nice guy air quotes, um, uh, trope and all of that, uh, which I very much appreciated obviously with my feminist, feminist lens. Um, so yeah, I think season two, I guess, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm just on the fence here. <laughs> I, I mean, I was going to say that you were really King Solomon that baby, but um, <laughs> to get us gonna the get for there. Kings and Prophets, yeah, well, that's um, totally different book of the Bible, but, <laughs> but, um, yeah. but no, it sounded like season two was a little bit more in your wheelhouse. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think so. I also wanted to mention Girls because I haven't talked about it the last couple of weeks. So uh, we got uh, th- this week. The episode is Japan. Last week we we followed more uh, Jessa and Adam around, um, and I just first of all Elijah is just like a national treasure of a character TV character. I love Elijah so much. Uh, he's so fun. I love that they gave him more to do in the second episode. And the third episode gives Shosh a lot more to do. Um, we sh- we see her in Japan working at her her job that she moved out there for. Um, which was delightful and she just it was lovely to see her in her element um so yeah there's i don't have a lot new to say other than i'm surprised they're making the jessa adam stuff work as well as it is and tip of the cap to them because really it's like adam shouldn't be on the show anymore but they have adam driver and when you have adam driver you figure out a way to keep him on your show um uh and they also i probably think it also helps that we have marnie off in ecuador as she so aggravatingly pronounces it on her honeymoon so we get a minimum of marnie but um but no they've so far they've done a really good job um this season with continuing their themes and moving the characters along in a way that feels organic to who they have been but also doesn't keep them stagnated and i think that's really difficult for a lot of shows to do so I, i i applaud um the writing over at girls to to keep these characters true to who they have been but also moving forward in you know, and, and more continue to morph i don't know how do you feel about that idea that characters on tv don't change or that shows are better when they don't um i'm always of the opinion that it depends entirely on the show itself mm-hmm. um for certain shows um especially shows where that are very character driven i expect change and um but I don't always expect characters to change on, like, police procedurals. I don't need Briscoe to come up with some personal epiphany about his life, apart from maybe not being an alcoholic is a good idea. But it just really depends on the show. And if it's, like, when we discussed Miami Vice with Corey when he was on, that's a show that those characters don't really need to change. And I'm okay with that sort of thing because of how the show is structured and that sort of thing. But for more recent stuff, I think it just depends, again, on the type of show. And if it's more character-driven or more personal, like, 
interpersonal relationship dramas. I want to see characters not making the same mistakes over and over and over and over again. And be, by that point, especially if it's a more serialized program, I get, I'll get i get really frustrated. And I don't want to get really frustrated with um, character-driven type stuff. It's part of the reason why I ended up giving up on Mad Men, for instance, is that while Mad Men is very much rooted in a number of soap opera um, traditions, the fact that Don just kept having epiphanies and then decided next season that those epiphanies never fucking happened drove me up the wall and I couldn't deal with it anymore. And that's a really good example of I expect those characters to change because you keep giving them epiphanies and then they don't change. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, like, that sounds exactly like what was happening to me with Mad Men. Um, right. Going into, like, their sixth season when they finally stopped doing that. I bailed on the fourth season. Yeah. And I was just like, I can't do this anymore. But so that's kind of where I am with it. Like, I don't... It, and it's a really weird situation because something like Arrow, for instance, is where I actually want and expect characters to change, but yet Oliver keeps just doing really dumb shit all the time because the narrative demands it. I'm just like, secrets. Yes, exactly. So I'm, I'm, it's that kind of thing where I want characters to change because it makes the show more dynamic, especially when you're a heavily serialized show. But if you're a sitcom or you're a more procedural-based show, I don't need a lot of character change. Fair enough. Uh, Well, I think character change is a great note on which to shift to our next show. Yes. In the Virgin. (laughs) And uh, I want to know your thoughts on this episode, Chapter 36. But before that, I was talking with former co-host Simon Howell, and uh, he said that he's just kind of waiting for them to kill off Michael now that they're all happy. Uh, it had occurred to me that they might do that. And now I'm like so convinced that they will. And I hate it. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that's Ugh. where we're headed now that they're all like happily ever after? Oh, yeah. No. Now now I can just see that sword hanging over his head. Yeah. Oh, well, thanks, Simon. Thanks for that. <laughs> really appreciate that. Because I was just like, I really enjoyed this Jane the Virgin episode. And now I'm just like, oh, fuck, they're going to kill Michael. <laughs> well, okay, but let's let's live in the now. What what did you enjoy about this episode? Uh, pretty much all of it. Like, um, this was the first episode in a long while where I was just like, all of this is really, 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 really good. Um, the Rogelio stuff with um, Lola was good. Um, it was funny. It was silly, which provided some alleviation to some of the heavier stuff that this episode was doing. Um, even if next week I need a resolution to it because he's been locked in his apartment with her for 10 days now. And that's even too long for Rogelio to be just tweeting fake vacation pictures. <laughs> it's too much even for me to like fully like accept that no one's not worried about having not seen Rogelio for almost two weeks. So I need that to wrap up and hopefully he'll like drug her better, I guess, which is a horrible thing to say. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, I also just love the, the terrific and horrible in joke of the fact that her first telenovela that she was obsessed with was called La Miseria. (laughs) Since this is just a long misery riff at this point, (laughs) I thought was really, really funny. Um, but then the rest of the episode was just really, really great. Um, Ziomara found out that Alba had premarital sex and that moment was incredible of them dealing with the hypocrisy of how Alba has basically shamed both Jane and Ziomara throughout both of their lives for the choices they made or pressured them into making certain choices and 
that it was grounded in her own personal shame is a really great thing that makes makes sure that Ziomara doesn't look horrible, but just really layers on the wonderful complexities in the Villanueva relationships that I just cannot get over how great that family is and how terrific they are as a trio. And just the fact that they're still kind of okay with one another despite all of this, I think it just also really speaks to how strong both they are as like a family unit, but also how how important the writers see them as the core of the show. And I think that's really significant. Yeah, I, I loved when um, Alba told Jane, I thought that was... You know, that was a good scene, but you know, adding Zoe into and I, I didn't. It didn't occur to me that, of course, then we would be getting the the Zoe and Alba equivalent of that. And yeah. I thought that was well deployed, well done, well yeah. done, writers. Um, what do you think about the twins? Oh man, I, as you know, and we've discussed this. I love any time Jane and Petra get to do stuff together, mm-hmm. and because it makes. It integrates Petra better into the show, but it also gives Petra new people to bounce off, gives Petra someone other to bounce off of other than Raphael, which is really important because that character gets so siloed that you kind of forget how really good of a character she can be. So Petra and Jane, like, going to go yell at the author who kind of ripped off Jane and then having, going into labor in the bookstore right before Jane gets to have her comeuppance. It's just really, it's so telenovela, but that Jane puts it on hold to go help Petra so that she can have her babies and do all this great stuff. It's just like, yes. And they're not like best friends or anything now because of this. Jane very quietly leaves once Raphael gets there. But just the montage of Jane reading to Petra to like take her mind off things and help her through her breathing exercises and all. I just loved all of it. Um, it was just really great and really beautiful type stuff. And I was really, 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 really happy with it. I was even happy just with the fact that Raphael's helping to find Mooder and I'm just, yeah. And doing it on the down low is kind of meh, but meh, who cares? And yeah, it's, it was just a really great episode. I was really, really happy with it. Yeah, no, it was definitely, it was a, I was pleasantly surprised. Like, as we said last week, I was a little um, anxious or a little uncertain of how they were to handle all the, the, the row stuff with the stalker. Yeah. But I think they found a good balance there. So, yeah, yeah. it was definitely a solid episode. Um, well, what about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? Josh is going to Hawaii. I was, you know, I, when we saw the party bus and she just rents a party bus, I was like, that's got to be really expensive. So I, I liked that that all of that financial stuff finally came back and especially uh the reaction from best friend paula from paula Paula. you don't worry about money that must free up a lot of your time uh (laughs) i really i really love that part of the episode uh what did you think uh well i thought that this episode was just kind of okay Mm -hmm. overall um i think the i think the big the big takeaway from this and this is what the episode got a lot of attention for was daryl's uh, Daryl's big coming out song um, mm-hmm. to his coworkers and his coworkers being like, yeah, okay, that's great, man. Nobody cares. And I mean, that's both terrible, but also like really re- oddly reassuring in the sense that, okay, we all don't care about this. This is, this is good for you. We're happy about this, but Becca's sucking up a lot of oxygen right now. <laughs> um, but that number was just really great. Um, I love the eighties style ballad type of, 
approach and everything about it was really good. Um, but I'm I, after the the hesitancy of Becca kind of realizing that she needs help, and where we were just kind of like, well, she's kind of aware that she's not totally. We're aware that she was being crazy a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and now that she's kind of realized it herself with the I'm the villain in my own story number, which I thought was decent as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and But now she's going to have to do like five hours of therapy on a plane. Poor uh, Dr. Dolian. <laughs> that's kind of how I feel. I feel really bad for her therapist. I don't feel particularly bad for Be- Rebecca. Yeah. But yeah, no, it was just, it, it felt very much like a transitionary episode. We talked a lot yeah. about how uh, we had the season finale type of episode and now we have to deal with oh we have to like actually like do this now type mm-hmm. of thing and I think that's where some of this episode was feeling a little flat footed for me sometimes was just that oh we have to figure out a way to continue the storyline right 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 now type yeah. of thing and so I mean it was still good and like we said at the top I mean we're getting more crazy ex-girlfriend so who cares <laughs> but um, yeah so after the really string of really strong episodes we have, uh, one that I'm just kind of lukewarm on, I'm totally okay with. How did you feel about this one? Well, like I said, I loved that the financial stuff came back, yeah. and you know, I love that, that Rebecca can't just keep throwing money at it to solve yeah. issues. Um, so I think that was overdue and worked really well. Um, yeah, the trouble I'm having with this one, and a little bit with last week, though I really liked uh, enjoyed the, the Jet Battle um, is I like the idea of the songs this week much better than the actual song. So I like the message. Okay. I love the, you know, like what they're doing, but I will not remember. I will not be singing either of those songs. Right. In a couple weeks. Like when we get to the end of the year, uh, Smorgasbordy and I'm putting together the montages of different music from the year's TV. Uh, those will be ones to go. Oh yeah, that was, those were things that happened. Uh, I will not. Yeah. They will not stick in my memory. So, um, the the for me the really strong hit to miss ratio or, or to just like solid, not even miss because Crazy Ex Girlfriend so far at least for me doesn't miss. But yeah, the the hit to it's fine. Um, ratio is a little low with the songs for me right now. So I'm hoping that we'll get another really knockout one soon. Um, but yeah, I agree that this is very much a transitional get things headed in the next direction kind of episode. Yeah. Um, and I am curious how they will handle having like three or four more. So like, if it's not like they got a back nine, you know, so how are they going to continue the arc of the season, um, or, or, or resolve these issues to, and take us to an actual finale again in only a few episodes? I think that'll probably be pretty challenging. Um, but I look forward to seeing what they do. Me too. Me too. Well, what wins your week in comedy? Um, I'm going to give it to Jane the Virgin this week with a Carmichael show, a very close second. Um, just Jane the Virgin was on all cylinders this week. And considering how I haven't felt like it's been on all cylinders, I was really, really happy for it to just come really for me roaring back this week. Uh, what about you? Um, I will give it to, man, a lot of these are really very close in my brain. Um, you gave it to those two. So I'll, I'll throw some love to girls. Okay. And uh, Always Sunny. Sounds so, good. Yeah. Spreading the love around this week uh, for our week in comedy. So now we'll take a break and come back with our week in reality and genre. 
this week in reality and genre, we're going to kick things off with a little Amazing Race talk, get it trending, and Top Chef, which had part one of its finale, Magic Hour, and then we'll dive in with the genre shows. We have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which had its mid-season premiere, Bouncing Back, and then we'll dive in with The Walking Dead, Not Tomorrow Yet, The Hundred, Terms and Condition, and we'll we'll wrap things up with uh, some Adventure Time, The Hall of Egress. I, I have no idea what that's going to... We'll get there. Like, it's just like, we have to wrap our brains around it. It's going to be a fun conversation. Um, yes. But let's kick things off with just a little bit of reality talk. We haven't talked about the, the Amazing Race for several weeks. How's the season going for you? And what did you think of this episode? Um, It's going okay. Like I said, uh, when we, like, at the premiere, um, I'm a severely lapsed viewer of The Amazing Race. And so um, it's kind of like about finding the rhythms of the show again. And um, this when I was watching it, I DM'd you on Twitter and I was just like, so is it really common for these folks to be helping each other so much? Because these teams are helping each other a whole lot. And you had mentioned at the top that this was something that maybe could happen because these were groups of people who were all vaguely aware of one another, if not outright knowing one another from being social media um, presences and celebrity figures. And you were right. They're, they've been helping each other pretty consistently this uh, season so far, especially with like some of the larger challenges and like counting how many people it takes to sit on a bench mm-hmm. and just that sort of thing. And it's been really interesting to watch that dynamic play out um, in no small part because I'm trying to figure out when they're going to realize they're going to have to stop doing that. Yeah, because they all arrived at the check the the end of the race at the same time this week, which they made a point of mentioning has happened only like once before. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, "All right, guys. Um, so basically, to quote real, real world, when do you guys start getting real <laughs> about this sort of thing?" And so I'm really curious to see when that happens, but I'm also waiting to see some teams kind of break out as well. Mm-hmm. And because I don't I don't have a favorite. It's very rare for me to develop favorites in reality competition shows. But right now I'm just like, okay, um, I'm basically just here for the cute novelty challenges that they always do, Mm -hmm. which are, are always my favorite part whenever I've watched Amazing Race. So but yeah, so how did you feel and how are you feeling about this um, season so far? As a more seasoned viewer. As a more seasoned viewer of The Amazing Race, which is, it's true, I am the veteran of the two of us for watching The Amazing Race. Um, I've been enjoying it, and um, mm-hmm. it's, I, I was very not excited, like I said earlier, um, when yeah. we previously talked about, about the gimmick. But the more the season progresses, the more I feel like an idiot. Because it's, it's so obvious. You get a group of people who are incredibly comfortable on camera, who are yeah. used to expressing themselves in a straightforward, and especially for you know people who do like Vine and stuff, a very succinct way. Yes, of course they're gonna make for better TV. <laughs> of course, that's a really that's a really really good point. I had a thought of continue continue, but that's a great point. And they're also they're canny at uh, at branding and self promotion because that's what they need to be able to do that to be successful um, on social media, which they all are on YouTube. I mean. There's a lot of competition out there. So, to, yes. you know, th- th- I think that has, what that's done is kind of removed the teams that maybe every now and again get cast who in person have a great dynamic. But as soon as you put them with a camera crew, they don't work as well or they get on, you know, they get stressed out and get on each other's Well, we do have and, one of those teams. <laughs> we, that's 
that's true. We do have one of them right now. But um, but on the whole, I think it's it's really paid off, and that that ease and and camaraderie that we're seeing now, I think, will give way to some really entertaining bitchery. I'm anticipating later in the season. Um, I, you know, I I don't. But the the thing that's nice about it is because because these are all people who are. Um, already have established fan bases on um, social media. There's also an impetus to not be mean to each other and to not. That's true. That's true. They don't yeah. want to hurt. Again, they don't want to hurt their brand. Um, yeah. So, so while I would not be surprised to see more snarkiness and more like competition rev up as we get closer to the finale, I don't anticipate it being mean spirited. And because okay. they understand that this is like, I, I, it seems to me they understand that one person and one team is going to win and nine or 10 or however many other teams are, are not going to win. So this is a promotion for them. This is an ad right. for them that there's this actually a pretty low percentage chance that they will necessarily win. But by being on the show, the longer they're on the show, the more it helps them. So presenting themselves well, you know, is, is going to be significant. So I think that that's really astute. That's really astute. It just, it seems like this is a, a, on the whole pretty canny group of, of, of amazing race viewers. And they also seem like the kind of people who do their research, you know, who watch yeah. previous seasons and, you know, not all of them. I really was hoping those vine guys would do better. Yeah. Um, Cause the amazing race has a tendency to be very, I mean, just, it's really white. It's really young. It's really white. Um, so I'm always excited when there are people of color on, cause I'm like, yay. It's not only white people. It's not only people. Because it tends to be a certain age range. It tends to be a certain uh, background because these are the people who have jobs where they can leave for two weeks without anybody right. saying it. So it tends to be people who have enough money that they're financially secure. It tends to be people who uh, um, who own their own businesses and are in positions of authority. So they can't, you know, it's not people or, or stay-at-home parents who have a partner who can support them and support the kids. Most people can't just leave their job for two weeks. Yeah. And, and so that, that limits the group, the types of people who come on the race, who are able yeah. to come on the race. And so I'm always excited when we get different types of people, different types of backgrounds and experiences. Um, so part of that is I'm usually excited when there are people of color on. Um, I, those, I've, that was just one of the more painful eliminations, I guess, on, on The Amazing Race when they just, the guy just keeps walking past the place where he needs to go. Oh, that was so terrible. Oh. Was so terrible. And his partner can't help him because if they, right. they do, there's a penalty if he helps him. If he, if he says, like, read your clue again, <laughs> that there's a penalty. So, um, yeah. I, but on the whole, I, I've, I've really enjoyed the teams. Um, the, the, the everybody ducked down and hide was just like ridiculous. Um, how did you feel about hashtag bloaty? Is is that kind of like random hookup type of thing common on this show, or just is that just like a circumstance of like these young people being around each other? Well, I think there's some level of self awareness with that. Certainly, okay. all the, the people hashtagging and everything that's not usual. <laughs> right. But um, but no, there no, usually no, is but... at least one. They usually at least try the producers and other try to go for at least one 
you know, maybe they like each other. Hmm, we got a hookup going, love connection. Like, it's, it's always gross when Phil starts bringing that stuff up. Um, it was just gross this week because I was just like, she's racing with her dad. Yeah. He's right there, guys. He's right there. <laughs> At least Stop that one this. felt more organic to the actual people themselves. Yes. You know, there yeah. have been times, especially the season when it was like the, the blind date thing. We were mm-hmm. like, guys, it's it's getting really gross, Phil. Mm-hmm. It's like, stop. Just stop it. Stop it. Um, so these, this one felt more like they were actually into it, um, and it okay. wasn't really manufactured. But no, they, that's not an uncommon thing, I would say. Okay. The, the everybody else being so aware of it and really <laughs> and getting a kick out of it was, was a little more fun. That's less common. But um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so okay. I, I've been enjoying it so far. Um, the, the, the standout for me so far with the um, challenges has been the one where they threw the rocks with the gunpowder. I thought that was like... Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, and it, it's always, like you say, it's always cool to see these um, challenges that open your eyes to different customs and different experiences yeah. around the world. And so not having been in Colombia, I think, previously on the show probably helped them out. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, been, I've been enjoying the season. Do you have a, a standout challenge so far this season? Um, I, I, I know it's really minor, but, and really silly, but I actually really enjoyed them making Swiss army knives. Yeah. I thought that was just a really fascinating look behind the scenes at how those got made. Mm-hmm. And that's why I kind of like really keyed into it. I was just like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. But also this is really cool. <laughs> and yeah, so no, I, I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, I think that's been my favorite so far. But I also just liked the whole bench thing and the counting thing. Mm-hmm. And how difficult that ended up being, I thought was really interesting. And how annoyed all those people got at these annoying Americans. <laughs> Which yeah. is also my favorite part of any time I watch Amazing Races go, Oh, God, Americans are the fucking worst. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was a really great line about that in Girls this week. Um, that's just what Americans are like. Um, anyways, let's let's move on quickly to Top Chef, which had part one of its finale. Um, yes. And we have our final two contestants, Jeremy yes. and Amar. And how invested are you in the finale and the, either of these two contestants? And yeah. what did you think of their Vegas challenges? Um, I'm not terribly invested in I, I, yeah, me neither. I, I don't. I was like, I, Marjorie, I, I care about Marjorie. I don't care about yes. these two. Yeah, I mean, I like him more. And I, I, I think I like the food that he cooks based on, like, presentation and how he thinks about his food. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, like, kind of rooting for Amaro by default because I've never keyed into Jeremy and his kind of bro, bro, bro type of mentality, which turns me off in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, so, but no, um, I enjoyed their Vegas stuff. I loved the uh, playing cards for the royalty clergy. I thought that was a really interesting kind of way to give people an advantage, but also like r- really also like even a playing field kind of ways, because like I'm more pointed out, it's just like, well, I had the fewest options, but that meant I had to get really creative with my options. And that almost always pays off better on Top Chef than having a lot of yeah. options. They tend to get paralyzed. Yeah. Right. And so, but then for the David Copperfield-inspired stuff, first of all, oh, God, David Copperfield. Oh, God. Um, just come on, guys. Find someone else in Vegas who's willing to willing to do this. Uh, but the other aspect of it was as soon as Marjorie pulled out the liquid nitrogen and then said, I've never really worked with liquid nitrogen before, I went, oh, no. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. No, it was like when Amara decided to do chicken breasts at the beginning of the season. And I was just like, don't do chicken breasts. Never do that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But no, so when she pulled out the liquid nitrogen, but I think she was also just struggling with this idea of illusion. Yeah. Really, really hard. Like, she admitted that up front in the interview segment, but, like, watching her talk through the dish and everything, I was just like, oh, you do not get this at all. At all. And that's fine. That's not how she thinks. That's not how... This was This was a challenge that really handicapped her in a lot of ways because that's not how she thinks about her food and that's not how she thinks about herself whereas the other three are very much more showman showman based and really keyed into the challenge and i think that's why Amara one is just like he really leaned in really hard on this idea of surprise and illusion in a way that no one else did yeah. and i think that's why he ended up winning um how are you feeling you just said you weren't invested i'm totally not invested in who wins this but <laughs> i was really hurting for marjorie by the time that she was just like, I have no fucking clue what I'm going to do. Yeah. Well, I, and I really like that they had those two significant challenges this week. Yeah. I loved that, you know, like, if I want to start grumbling about Marjorie, like, wishing Marjorie was in the finale, she had she had the best opportunity going into the first challenge in yes, the episode. Yes, to win. To, you know, it's like... She had she had more than one chance to 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 earn her way into the finale. So yeah. I can't feel too bad for her. Yes, she she burned her tongue and she couldn't taste her food, but she shouldn't have made that mistake to begin with. And yeah. she also had more than a fair shot at at winning the first slot. So yes. um, I think the structuring of the episode in because of that worked really well. Um, and basically, I just whoever. Whoever's, I, I'm hoping she's on the Mars team next week because you know Top Baker is going to show up and kick some butt on dessert. Um, yes. So I'm, I'm still excited for the finale, but I think this is going to be one of those seasons where I just don't really remember Yeah, what happened. What, much of the season, you know, looking yeah. back on it. So I, I've enjoyed it while I've been watching it, and some of the challenges have been interesting and, and neat. But, um, yeah, I just – I'm not – I, most yeah. of my my, mo- my biggest investment was wanting Man Bun to get eliminated. So after that happened, I was sort of out of rooting interests. Yeah. Well, rooting interests, I think, is a good way to get us into our week in genre because we've got, except for Avenger Time, but I, I think that's a theme in, in a lot of the genre this week. And that we're going to kick things off with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. bouncing back. Um, how did you feel? Uh, first of all, were you invested at all? Like, I didn't remember most of, of the stuff. I was like, what is happening on the show again? Oh, yeah, that's right. Ward's a zombie and whatever. Um, so do you have a rooting interest at this point in the show? And what did you think of their new character that they introduced, Yo-Yo? It's so funny that you asked about interest because while I was watching the show, I was kind of like doing something else at the same time because S.H.I.E.L.D. isn't a show that I actively pay too much attention to because it's a show that I kind of like, but it's not a show that like I'm ever really, really, really like, oh God, this is really good or mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So I was like making some D&D monster block cards for my game while I was doing this and I was watching it and just going, wait, wait, I, I don't wait, did I care about any of this before this break? And that was the problem I was running into. I was just like, I don't know that I care about any of this anymore. Um, Like, when they circled back to Fitz and Simmons at the end, I just went, oh, I cared about them. Right. But then I just went, I don't care about any of this inhuman stuff. I don't care about Lincoln. And I'm saying that about Luke Mitchell, who I really like. But I'm just like, oh, wow, this is all really not... I don't care about any of this. I don't care that... Ward has become controlled by the it thing from the other planet. 
and Gideon and just Hydra. And I'm just like, oh, gosh, I don't care. I don't even care what's happening in three months in outer space. Yeah, no. You know what I I almost care about? Fitzsimmons I care about. But I almost care about uh, Adrian Palicki um, and... Ah, ah, Hunter. Hunter, yeah. Uh, because they're fun, at least. And, yes, and they are. The contrast going from Agent Carter back to Shield is, is really is stark. It's incredibly stark. They need a Stark. They need a young uh, Howard Stark. Is what they need yeah. because they need some comedy in this. Yeah. It's just so self serious. Um, and I get that they're going for these giant stakes with Ward as this like you know zombie Ward as a creature, and I'm glad, I'm very glad they actually just straight up killed Ward. I yeah. think that was overdue. I'm glad they did and that. Hopefully that there's no coming back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but these, all these other elements, like I like Lincoln until they just decided that he and Daisy are this forever love uh, that just came out of nowhere. Um, yeah, to quote totally out of nowhere. A certain GOP candidate, they just feels very rammed down our throats. Um, the I, I I sort of feel like um, through attrition, just having seen the last, you know having watched it every week i eventually didn't not care about some of these storylines when we left off but coming back into it again i also don't really like colson having lost this potential love i like i never really bought into that relationship to start with and they just they've got a lot they've got a major deficit that they need to major deficit that they need to kind of earn back i think to, to get me reinvested in these characters and they've they've got their work cut out for them with with this much interesting TV happening, they've got a lot of work. If I fall off of the show, I it'll be now, I think. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. And you asked about Yo-Yo, and, um, which I thought was an interesting power. And I like the fact that she didn't want to join S.H.I.E.L.D., that she wanted to stay and help in her community. I thought that was really important and interesting. And it kept the world open for the show, which is good. But it was also just reminded me how much I really like Mac on this show, mm-hmm. who's one of my favorite characters on the show. And I was talking about it with a coworker of mine who watches it, and she's just like, is it wrong that I want Mac to be the director of S.H.I.E.L.D.? And I just went, no, no. it is not wrong, because he'd be a much better director. And, but then while I was watching this episode, I just went, when did Mac become the wharf of this show? Mm-hmm. How, did, how did we go from, oh, we need to establish that this Inhumans pretty tough that she gets to beat up mac mm-hmm. and i was just like oh okay but then the episode ends with colson having to like report to talbot or vice versa i'm just like oh good more dick measuring between colson and talbot i can't wait for that <laughs> at least i really enjoy adrian pazdar i'm always happy to see him get a paycheck he, but yeah he does have fun on this show yeah. i will give him that but i'm over the colson and talbot dynamic i'm so over it um, so yeah, no, like you, like, this is a really easy show for me to let build up because I review Flash the same night that this airs mm-hmm. for the most part. So this is going to be a really easy show for me to just go make a decision about if it just builds up or if I watch it the next day. I may end up watching the next day because my coworker gets upset because no one else <laughs> she knows watches it but me. So I'll end up watching it, but I'm not going to like it very much. I think. Well, I think that this show works by far the best when it embraces its you know it this show wants to be the a-team yeah. let it be the a-team run, showrunners and, and all that that entails yeah it does like when they have these larger sweeping apocalyptic stakes that it gets too self-serious and it's less entertaining with like 
And I maybe that's what the spinoff with uh, with Bobby and Hunter is going to be. But the tone that they strike with that character, with those characters, uh, their banter works so much better. And when they let Coulson again be sillier, Coulson, when they let him be the reason that we you know kind of fell Came in love with that show. character yeah. in the first place, that's when the show is at its best. Yeah. Um, when when Chloe Bennett can you know show up and Daisy will just like show up and kick some ass, and we don't need to watch her like stand and be doughy-eyed or whatever like that's the show at its best and it's a little frustrating to see it have have found that previously and since gotten away from it somewhat yeah 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 i agree and it's funny that we say that about that we kind of want colson to go back even though we were just discussing this idea of characters changing and everything and we're just like oh no we actually just would like colson to stay the same but i think that it says a lot about the fact that how we conceptualize Coulson and how we conceptualize him against the rest of the cast, especially within that first season, I think was really significant in, like you said, establishing why we came onto the show, but also the fact that Coulson was a really interesting leader mm-hmm. in a lot of ways that he's not anymore. He's just kind of boring as a leader now. And there's, there's no, there's no not dynamism to how he interacts with other people. And I think that's a big problem. When, you know, we were talking about we like characters to change on yeah. depending on the genre. But the yeah. thing is, when they change, they need to become more specific. Yes. Not more general. And yeah. that's, that's, what's, that's yeah. what's been happening. Yeah, I think that's a really that's a really fair assessment. Yeah. Well, let's move on to our next show because we got so many. We can keep talking about S.H.I.E.L.D., but we, let's move on to our next show because I'm very curious what you thought of The Walking Dead this week. Not tomorrow yet. You got your first big dose of Carol uh, in yes. quite a while. And we got huge like for for me having seen the entire series this was a huge huge episode big turning point for glenn but for the whole group um and it was full of giant tiny moments like tiny moments that are huge for the characters um but you don't have that history with the show right so how did it resonate to you that this was like the first episode where i was watching and going yeah, I'm feeling really uh, held back on a lot of this because I can tell. I could just I could tell from how people were talking with one another and where the focus of the episode was landing in a lot of places where I was just like, this is supposed to be really significant type of character and emotional payoff for people who've been watching the show really consistently. I'm getting that this is what's supposed to be happening, but I have no context for any of this. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be like, well, this is interesting, but I kind of don't care because I don't have yeah. that context, which is fine. I mean, I'm coming in on season six of a show, having only seen the first season that was like, what, six episodes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's just like, I don't know who half these people are. The the other half that I do know, I only know from when they were in Atlanta at the CDC. <laughs> <laughs> so, but um, barring the character issues that I was having, um, I still enjoyed the episode in a number of ways. Um, the siege on the Savior's complex was really interesting and really well executed and a really solid, I thought, action sequence that was really long um, that I thought was really interesting. I wanted to get your take on how that functioned within the show as a whole. Um, But also I liked some of the smaller stuff of like with Glenn and the fellow with the glasses, whose name I do not know. I apologize. Heath. Uh, And Heath's very hesitancy about killing these guys 
Um, and then Glenn saying, I have this, basically. And then just doing it. And I... I it, I like I said I could tell that there were a number of really big character things happening here. I just didn't have the context for any of them. But like the conversation with the priest um uh, right before the big launch and them discussing like what that meant for him to do this sort of stuff and then but followed up with the joke, well, they'll also have a harder time seeing me in the dark. And I I, I was just really enjoying trying to figure out the dynamics to this sort of thing, but then I was also just totally lost by how, um, oh gosh, what's his name? Um, the guy who was in, that helped Rick at the very beginning of the show and then disappeared for a long stretch. Oh, Morgan. Morgan, yes, thank you. I knew his name, but I couldn't remember it. Uh, Morgan and how Morgan was responding to all this. I had no context for and yeah. how he was like feeling, especially by the end, because something was really significant happening at the end that I just did not understand. So please tell me okay. everything <laughs> I missed. Well, let's start. With... Not everything. Yeah, just we'd be enough. Here all day. Enough. Yeah. No. Uh, the, so let's start with Glenn, because that's a, yeah. a quick one to do. Um, until yeah. this episode, Glenn had never killed someone other than in self-defense in the entire zombie apocalypse. This was huge. This was huge. He was the last like innocent on the show. Cause what the thing they do when they are interviewing people to see if they will let them join their group is they ask them how many walkers have you killed? How many people have you killed and why? Um, And, and I think we see that bit with Carol when we see that she's got a book where she writes down, you know, she keeps a tally of people that she, I assume that's people that she's killed. Um, that was the first time we had seen any sense of that from her, which was, okay. was huge. But for Glenn, I mean, the way that I thought the way that that was shot was fantastic. That here, are, these are to these two men completely. They're asleep. They are not a threat. There is nothing you can say other than we are going to murder these people. Yeah. And we think we're doing it for a good reason, but we're, murdering these people there's not there is no turning back from that and the fact that yeah. they've got polaroids up on their wall of people of lots of people's heads bashed in does not change the fact right that we're killing them in their sleep yeah. um so it was, it was it was huge um and i and him taking that for heath um and allowing him to not carry that burden um he's still culpable but just that slight difference of actually having done it versus having stood by and allowed it to happen um that is a profound gift that glenn can give to heath uh so i think that also speaks very much to glenn's character so that's that's what was going on with glenn with um uh with carol i already mentioned the thing with the book but at the end she leaves a cookie on the grave of what was a young boy who got uh eaten by walkers in the the season mid-season premiere uh when the town was under siege and and he used to hang out with her and she like tried to scare him by saying like oh the monsters are going to come come for you and everything but she also you know they talked about this episode she's a mom her daughter died uh disappeared sort of and then they found out her later that she had been turned into a walker right Um, i remember reading about that okay yeah so there's that and then she sort of adopted these two girls and ended up the one went nuts and killed her sister thinking she's gonna come back it's gonna be fine and so then she had to kill the little girl who was her surrogate daughter and then now sam the kid you know died in a not it wasn't the fault of morgan for having kept a dangerous person um under lock and key instead of just killing him 
but that contributed to it. So that's what the Carol and Morgan stuff was. Morgan okay. has this philosophy. To, he, he like lost himself for a while, but came back and found himself again under the mentorship of another person. And there was this one episode all about it that right. um, of all life is sacred and all life has worth. And when, when you are dead, there's no hope left. There's no chance left. But okay. even the worst person, even the most terrible person can theoretically be saved. So you okay. shouldn't kill anyone unless you have no choice and you always have a choice is Morgan's philosophy. So him okay. standing, staying in Alexandria when they are doing this, when they are going out and actively killing people, hunting them down and killing them is yeah. absolutely against everything he's said. Like he has recentered his life around. Okay. Um, and so at the jail, the him building a jail cell at the end is a callback to that when he was out of it. And this, this mentor locked him in a jail cell Okay. Until he found himself again. Um, so, so it was a callback to that. And that's actually a really great episode. It's like all Lenny James and uh, I can't forget the name of the actor who is in it with, but it's, it's a really great episode. Um, so, so that's what all that is about. Does that okay. give you some good context? That gives me excellent context, which I'm sure will help me next week, this week. Yeah. So, so I mean, and the, the strife between um, Morgan and Rick fueled a lot of the pre- first half of sure. the season and that, that difference in philosophy of, you know, give people a chance, you know, you got to save your, your, your team or save your crew. Um, and, and Carol, moving and she had that she had an end of the previous season standoff with morgan when she found that this guy was still hadn't been killed but had been like was just like in the basement and he got out and threatened you know anyways so they had a standoff and that's part that's what the the cook the thing where she was at the grave was about okay um and she hasn't told everybody else yet that he didn't kill that guy but left him and that was part of why these people died um but her moving in this episode closer to morgan's philosophy and her having like after being this ridiculous red dog badass right um, i knew that she was i knew that she was a badass and i was just like wait badass. wait why isn't she yeah so yeah 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 that's very and then the way that it's just like clearly weighing on her more and more mm-hmm. and that she respects where morgan's coming from a lot more um enough that she's not turning him in and, and everything uh, i think is very telling and should lead to more interesting things down the way cool Cool. Thank you. Sure I thing. appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah, for me, it was a really powerful episode. Uh, right. They, they, they just they take our heroes and make them murderers, make them completely can't like can't defend it. I love what it says about um, the team. I, I love when Je- that Jesus is like, take the person and leave because if you leave and the and our fellow you know hilltop person gets by gets back safe then the deal's still on so we can continue our treaty you know i think that speaks a lot to him but also the his understanding of the dynamics between the groups and the importance of maintaining um maintaining all that um i think the way that they shot the the action set piece of just deadly silent and and straightforward and then all chaos that really worked for me i thought the direction worked really well i know some people it was a little too over the top once things got going um but i thought that was very effective and at the end when i'm like there's a giant satellite dish there hmm there's a zero percent chance that there is not a bunch of cameras that is beaming a signal (laughs) elsewhere (laughs) Uh, so so the way that that comes back uh at the end of the episode that was very effective um i think i need to see 
Actually, maybe I don't need to see how Carol and Maggie got caught. Um, oh, and of course, that Carol stuff also ties into the fact that Maggie's pregnant. And so all the mother stuff and that right. ties into that. Um, I don't know. It would take a lot for them to capture Carol. Um, so I don't know if I want to see it because I need to believe it or if I'd rather not see it because most of what they would show me, I would have a hard time buying. Um, right. But I think it's a, a very strong point from which to to begin the next episode right and i am excited about the next episode because alicia witt's on and i love her that's exciting yeah so i'm very excited yeah okay uh any other thoughts on walking dead or shall we move on to the hundred let's move on to the hundred okay so last week we had 13 which was all (laughs) lexa and and clark Clark. and there's an hour of discussion of it at the end of the and in in the separate in another segment segment (laughs) yeah uh so we talk about it in this segment, or actually maybe we didn't, but just how great it was to not get Bellamy in that episode. Uh, before that episode takes its that. turn, no. um, yeah. it's like, oh, this episode's really great. It's so great. And then it takes a turn. Again, we talk about that separately. But um, I was like, you know what? There's no Pike and no Bellamy. I wonder if that's why I'm really enjoying that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this week, we get all of that. So terms yes. and conditions. How is this working for you? Finally, everybody's back on team, not Pike by the end. Um, yes. Was the digression worth it? Did you buy it? Or is it just too much manipulation? It's too much manipulation. I'm leaning into the microphone. It's too much manipulation. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean, yeah, no, it's great. Everyone's everyone's not team Pike anymore. Yay. Too little, too late, guys. Maybe don't have Bellamy assassinate, uh, you know. Two uh, grounders at the top of the episode. Yeah, pe- people who came to talk, you know, they, they might as well have been waving a white flag. And he's like, nope, I'm going to assassinate you because, like, that'll do anything. Right. And it's it was just really weird because Bellamy was just like, I've seen this before. I know how this goes, and I'm just going to shoot them. And she's like, that's not going to make things better, Bellamy. <laughs> nope. Nope. So um, I was, I was, yeah, it was just like, I, I didn't totally, here's how, here's how really frustrating this has been is that I don't totally buy into Bellamy's heel face turn. No. Is I, I can't because it's just like that was so muddled and rushed, but now we're just like, oh, he's seen the errors of his ways because Kane's like surrendered himself, basically. Yeah, like shooting like, a bunch of people, like trying to kill 300 grounders, that's not enough to get him to no. turn. But like threatening to execute someone execute Kane. who has absolutely con- committed the crime of which he is accused and of right. which the actual punishment is is execution like are you kidding me that's what oh yeah yeah it's really frustrating and okay maybe you can remind me but where the hell was abby yeah i don't know she should have been around she was doctoring (laughs) yeah i mean it felt really noticeable to me that abby wasn't around for any of this i thought that was just really weird and i thought maybe abby was like traveling somewhere and i just forgot because 13 like blocked 13 took up a lot of mind space for me but yeah, I was just I I ha- I was really really frustrated with this episode and all the Bellamy stuff. On the other hand, <laughs> all the Alley stuff and Raven going like, I don't remember Finn. I don't remember my first kiss. This is wrong. And I'm just <laughs> yeah. like, this is cool. I was like, this is Raven again. Yes. Yay. And I was really ex- I was just like really excited about that. And I always like seeing, like, 
that kind of a conflict. And we talk a little bit about this in the Mo Ryan segment about how really interesting this part of the show has become. And I was just like watching Jasper being like, I want a pill. And then watching him watch Raven go like, and him like point at and poke at Raven being like, do you remember Finn? Do you remember loving him? Do you remember that necklace that he gave you? And all that stuff. And I'm just like, oh, wow, this is really good. Because this is this is what, like, an absence of pain means in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, and having him so quickly connect the dots of, I want a pill. I don't want to feel this pain, too. But I don't want to lose this pain if it means I lose my memories of Maya. Correct. The, the maturity of that and, and the fact that they don't stretch that out, I think, is because they've stretched out plenty of other things with Jasper this season and with other, like I feel like we've seen the same stuff from several of these characters for way too many episodes but yeah. the fact that they let that feel organic and and have him key into Raven feels wrong and the fact that it happens when finally he's cut off from booze also yeah. makes sense so he's thinking yes. clearly for the first time in quite a while um uh, but yeah so there there was so much that I enjoyed about this episode but um, like, cause I like what we got with, with Lincoln. See this Lincoln we like, um, yeah. I like that. I like what we got with Kane, um, and the way that, that all of that can kind of came together and Sinclair too, the way that, you know, so much of this, I really like, I think my main issue with this stuff has been, they've completely character assassinated Bellamy and now they're going to want to try to pretend it didn't happen. That's what it, right. it feels like. To borrow like. from Carrie, Carrie Reisler. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, is that, that Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because she mentioned the character assassination. <laughs> oh yes, yes, we did talk yeah. about that on Twitter yeah. this week. But um, yeah, and there's just so they, if they had just had Bellamy be a double agent, like they could have done pretty much everything that these episodes have done. Like if it yeah. becomes clear that Pike has an overwhelming support off screen because plot, and they need somebody on the inside, and that's why Bellamy is there, and he's torn between maintaining. Pike's trust and trying to avoid this like like there's and they could and they could have kept the conflict with um Monty and his mom too like in that torrent like there's so they, there's so much good happening Idea. on the show yeah. there, it's just such a, un, a complete lack of understanding of uh of their character of Bellamy and what he has been and what he has done and like this his sister is basically a grounder. So you're going to tell tell me that he would ever say, let's just kill all grounders? That's absurd. It's absurd. Yes. Um, so yeah, now that finally it looks like Bellamy's back to being Bellamy, we can... And Raven is back to, you know, on the way to being Raven again. Um, it, it's very encouraging that maybe we can just kind of pretend we can arm in Tenzerian parts of this season. But so much of it... It's just so bogged down. The, the the highs of this stuff is really high, but the frustration factor is also really high. So right. I'm, it's, I'm so torn. Yeah, no, it's bogging down what is really interesting things. Yeah. And, like, really expansive world-building stuff. That's And really compelling, like, character stuff about... Well, pain and memory and loss and how that affects who you are and what that means for you mm-hmm. is just really interesting. But it's all bogged down by this really shitty stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Absolutely agree. Um, any other thoughts on The 100? Um, how did you feel about the fact that they just went, 
uh, we're going to leave Polaris alone for an hour and focus on this and not give any sort of, like, any sort of hint about what was going on based on 13. I was kind of like, narratively and structurally, I just went, well, of course they would. Because that's that's how television works, especially this kind of television. Mm Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was just like, uh, maybe I did need a week off from being really angry at you show, like really angry as opposed yeah. to just really frustrated. Yeah. No, I think it was, I think it was wise, um, to give that space and to let, I mean, I don't think they knew what they were doing, what they were right. stepping into, but they ended up having, giving viewers another week to heal before they yeah. went back to that story, which I think is very wise or it worked out well for them, I guess I should say. Um, and I also think trying to fit any of that stuff in like, cause Lexa right. being dead is going to be huge in, for in the grounders and for the tribes. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's going to be like, I don't understand. I don't know how they can have that be part of an episode with all this Arcadia stuff, you know, yeah. like I feel like that's going to need a whole, at least half of an episode yeah. to, to just focus on the chaos that will likely you know, and the, the destabilizing um, effect Nature, that that will have, yeah, yeah on, on on the the the, the twelve clans. Um, so I think it was for the best. Um, yeah, but again, a whole separate segment on that. Let's move on to Adventure Time, the Hall of <laughs> Egress. Um, I have no clue what I watched. Do you know what you watched? I think I do know what I watched, but I I do know that I really loved this episode. Yeah, it was really cool. I mean, just just the motif of it. Like, <laughs> um, I sent a message to uh, my friend Nick, who DMs my um, Adventure Time themed Dungeons and Dragons game. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, which has been a lot of fun. Um, but when I was watching this episode, I sent him a text message and I was just like, you would totally do something like this to us. <laughs> uh, but no, so this, uh, to, to, I think it warrants giving a little bit of context for this episode is that they returned to the same, Jake and Finn returned to the same kind of forest that had the dungeon train in it, which was a really important episode for Finn and Jake in terms of maturity and Finn dealing with his breakup with Flame Princess and kind of a regression type of situation of, I just want to keep doing this and not think about things. Basically level grinding. I don't want this to, I don't want this. I don't, I can't deal with this right now. And the, the, this was him dealing with his feelings. So he just kept level grinding until he felt powerful enough to deal with it. Mm. And that's what that episode was about. And it was a really interesting way of exploring that and, Jake's slightly more mature <laughs> presence. Um, so so like, rare that we can say that, by the way. So right, exactly. So we get the Hall of Egress in the same area of the dungeon train, and I think it's really purposeful that the episode shows us the dungeon train to make sure that we connect that thread. Yeah, yeah. and thread being a really important line for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they find this weird. They find this weird dungeon and Jake, Jake, Finn goes exploring and he finds a big door and he figures out that the way through the door is to just fall through the door. And then when he falls through the door, he can't plan his way through the maze that's on the other side in this weird, surreal, kind of cloudy way because every time he plans something, it falls apart and the maze changes on him. So the only way to get through it is just to run blindly through it. 
and mm-hmm. just like ah type of through <laughs> it and that's how he gets through it and he manages to break through but when he breaks through and he opens up his eyes he flashes back to the chamber yeah and just all this sort of fun stuff and then it becomes this weird groundhog's day thing of him each time he breaks through he has to explain to jake that he can't open up his eyes again because then he has to start over again mm-hmm and so finally, Finn realizes that there's no more threats to follow. There's no egress. And he goes to this really primitive state where he shuns all his clothes. He's blindfolded himself three times to make sure that he doesn't open his eyes. And he's finally able to break through in this really cathartic moment. And yeah, and I mean, there's this obvious really big idea of Finn... Finn's maturity coming through a lot in this and like again a shedding of a past self being very being very literal uh very literally shown in this episode um but at the same time like he calls himself Finn Martin in this episode which yeah. I think is really significant for him yeah and I was trying to remember when's the last time he did that I don't I can't has think he? that he has yeah really, I've I want to say maybe he has once or twice, mm-hmm. but this felt really big in a lot of ways, just within the context of the episode, but also him claiming that name in a way I thought was really significant. Um, so yeah, I really feel like this was a big character change moment that also factored into him dealing with his alternate self as well. Uh, when they went to the other timeline uh, dealing with other earth thin Ice crown Finn, for yeah. want of a better term. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so, no, you talk, because I just gave this really weird recap summary. Um, tell, tell me. Talk to me. Talk okay. To me. Okay. <laughs> well, because, um, I, like I said, I didn't really know what I watched, other than I thought it was cool. Yeah. Um, so listening to you describe it, I was like, oh, clearly it's this discussion of progress and cycles and how you, when you think that you're ready to move on, you probably aren't and that yeah. then you end up regressing and all of this great thematic stuff that just like right over my head <laughs> completely over my head when i watched it um so so that, oh, i love i love that thank you yeah you gave welcome. that to me thank you uh that understanding of the episode uh but and this idea of having to when you think that you're making progress and you think you're healthy and you're healed and you're you're back to safety or whatever you know whatever you want the, your subtext to be that you have to go so far beyond that it needs to be like a a memory of a, right. you have to have like forgotten what it felt like to not be that in order to truly be at this space where you're moving on and right. not just regressing um right i think it's really significant that the dungeon yeah. ends up in a desert by yeah. the end as opposed to a forest yeah um and it's just so I love that this is a kid's show, air quotes, you know? Right? It's so cool. Yeah. And, and if you don't kept, if you're not thinking about this stuff, if you're just watching it on the most straightforward level, it's funny and silly, and I had I enjoyed it right. <laughs> at that level. I was like, ah, he's got the, the spikes with the invisible spikes and everything, which felt also like a bit of a callback to their... Um, the episode in the, you know, where uh, it, was, it was Jake's imagination and Finn couldn't see it. You know? Oh right, 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 right. That episode's great. Yeah. So, so there are also other you know shadows there, but um, but like you say, like the the fallacy of the plan and how you, sometimes it works. It's great when it does, 
it's awesome. I love what I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> uh, but yeah, a lot of the times it's not actually what we think will will fix things or help us move forward. Right. Isn't actually the root of the concern or the root of the issue. So um, yeah, it, it just and to have like a ten minute, eleven minute meditation on this with uh and the fact that the show does not hold your hand like the closest it comes to holding your hand is when they say hey remember that thing about flame princess that's it right Uh, i love it yeah no it's a really loose connect connection that the show expects you to get because Mm -hmm. again like dungeon train flame princess here we are all right this is this is basically the amount of framing that we're going to give you for the emotional context of this episode if you want it and need it. Otherwise, like you said, this is just a really kind of trippy, fun episode where Jake kind of is a jerk, (laughs) (laughs) but it's still really funny. And so, yeah, no, it's just, this was a really, really great episode. And uh, I'm just really glad Adventure Time is like back more consistently. Yeah. Glad (laughs) it's back. It's on on Saturdays now. Saturdays. And I'm like, um... Okay, not that I really care because I don't have a life, so I'm home on Saturdays, but... DVR, <laughs> yeah. DVR, yeah. right. Well, what wins your week in reality and genre? Uh, egress, um, for me, uh, this week, hands down. Um, I imagine that had I had six seasons of Walking Dead, I'd give it to The Walking Dead, but I've had seven seasons of Adventure Time, so I get to give it to Adventure Time this week. <laughs> What about you? I'm going to give it to Walking Dead. So so there we go. We're splitting the vote again, uh, spreading the love. But yeah, a uh, really powerful episode. And now I just am going to be thinking about that Adventure Time episode. I'm going to have to watch it again. Um, yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I'm actually probably going to watch it again as soon as we get done recording. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's take a break and we'll be, come back with our week in drama. There used to be a gray and tower alone on the sea. In drama, I'm going to preview the Americans um, and and then there were none. Um, and then we'll talk a bit about Underground, particularly the premiere, the Macon 7. And then, Noel, you're going to talk about the Bates Motel premiere, A Danger to Himself and Others, before we both talk about the Of Kings and Prophets premiere, Offerings of Blood. And then there will be no more premieres, which is exciting. Uh, but we'll talk about American Crime Story, The People vs. O.J. Simpson, Marsha, 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 Limitless, Close Encounters, Elementary, Hounds, and we'll wrap things up with the American Crime finale, uh, Season 2, Episode 10. So, uh, f- first off, The Americans is coming back next week. I've seen the first two episodes. I ran out of time to watch. They have two more up. I, I'm going to try to not watch ahead. We'll see how that goes. But You're not um, going to be able to resist. I just love The Americans so much. I know it's not your thing, Noel, but I love Which it so fine. much. It's so good. Um, this season, uh, it comes it's, it comes back just as strong. Um, I, I actually really liked the end of last season. I know some people 
felt cheated that it was much more of like a mid-season finale than a season finale. There was a lot of stuff unresolved. Um, but I think that structure actually worked really well for the material that season. And we pick up right where we left off um, thematically and with these storylines. Uh, we have the addition of Dylan Baker this season as a recurring figure, which oh, is... That's not fair, show. I'm just saying, if you want to jump in, I uh, love Dylan Baker so much. It, it had me Jones in hardcore for like vintage good wife, you know? Right. Um, but anyways, that's a conversation for another time. Um, but yeah, I really like what they're doing with his character this season. It, he, he adds a new element to some of the, 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 the spy craft, I guess, um, okay. that adds stress in interesting and new ways. Okay. Um, and very, very relatable ways. So that is, is great. Wait, uh, are you a spy? <laughs> um, are we, you are you a, are you a Russian spy, Kate? Right I... now, this instant, yes, clearly. Okay. <laughs> the, well, I mean, you're saying that you understand the stress in a very real way, and I'm just like, oh, okay. Clearly, with all of my years of experience uh, working in secret for the Residentura, you know, I can say I feel confident saying. Um, but uh, the the stuff we're getting this season, they, I particularly love the stuff that we're getting with Philip, and I think they've done such a great job with Martha too. They've done such a great job with showing his journey from the 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 pilot to now, um, and they they've also really explored Elizabeth well. But in these first two episodes, at least, I feel like we're getting such great material for Philip. Matthew Reese is killing it. Um, and, and watching his, you know, him by himself versus how he relates to Elizabeth versus how he relates to Martha and the way that they, and, and some other characters too, that I don't want to mention. Um, there's some good stuff with Stan. Uh, I can mention that, but, um, the, the way that they continue to treat these characters with respect, particularly a character like Martha, it would be so easy to make Martha a joke and they never, ever do. And I just, I love the treatment of that character and the legitimacy given Phillips or Clark's, I guess, uh, relationship with her um, and how much of that is manipulation and how much of that is genuine. Um, and it, it, it just feels more and more genuine as the time has, has gone on and as Philip changes and is, can, and you know, is is prompted to think about what he's done and where he's come from and what, what has made him who he is and who he continues to be. Um, it's just, it's really fantastic storytelling. The stuff we get with Paige continues to be fantastic. Uh, Holly Taylor is just, she's so good. Um, and I think I anticipate there's more very good stuff to come. Very interesting stuff to come with, um, with her and, and with Elizabeth and Philip and how they are, um, how her knowing about them complicates their their work and their lives and their ability to lie to themselves. Um, but it's just, I, uh, I know it's not your thing, but it's like the best thing on TV. It's so good. It's so good. I love it no. so much. See, this is one of those situations where, like I said when we were doing the year-end stuff, mm -hmm. where this is a show that... I'm really happy it's still on for people who love it because mm -hmm. while I it's I can't respond to it emotionally, mm -hmm. um, the fact that I don't hate it or yeah. find it obnoxious or smug or any of those other qualities that I can ascribe to a number of other shows that people really really respond to and I find just abhorrent well not abhorrent but just real slogs to get through. 
Um, this is a show where the fact that so many people love it and I can at least respect it yeah. makes the fact that you're just like so psyched about it just that that's enough for me really yeah. is that, that this you show can live exists. vicariously through my enjoyment <laughs> right and the fact that so many people i know and like and respect a great deal get so much joy from this show is all i really need from this show at this point because mm-hmm. that's that's really all i need is that people that love this show continue to love this show and can tell me about it and be like, ah, oh, no, you're such an idiot for not liking this show, but I also understand. But no, seriously, what the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> Type yeah. of thing. Yeah. But no, so no, I'm really, I'm really excited that you're really pumped about the, these first two episodes, and I'm looking forward to you to you unpacking this each week. Yeah, and like really getting into it and getting really excited, and hopefully, like I'll be able to at least ask questions mm-hmm. about your responses to things. Yeah. Uh, so far this season, it seems like, because the show, and this was an active choice in the previous season, um, they upped the, the violence. They're like, yep, you're heroes, you're protagonists that you like, because the actors do such a good job, and it's, you know, they, they the writers are interested in making us relate to these characters, uh, are killing people, they're killing innocent people, and they're killing mm-hmm. innocent people in really unfortunate ways, uh, terrible ways, Um the show did they they used to kind of skirt around that but they they embraced that in the previous season and in this season it seems like we may be getting philip becoming more and more aware that he is a monster mm-hmm. and Which what does that mean yeah and how does that affect him um so that that is really intriguing because i feel like most shows that do like something like the sopranos it's more like yeah this guy's a monster and you still like him so what's wrong with you they kind of like like enjoy kind of pointing the finger at the audience and this show is not interested in that and i love that because i've seen that other people have done that the shield did that you know um to an extent the sopranos did that to an extent and this this is instead completely not interested in that it's interested in how philip feels about philip being a monster it's not there to judge the audience um yeah and i think that's an important tonal difference uh that i so far and again i like i said i've only seen two so maybe that's just me reading into things we know how i love to do that but uh i i i'm anticipating more along that line and i'm really interested in that so it's gonna be great also very good uh and then there were none which is on lifetime next week people set your dvr if you like murder mysteries if you like and who doesn't i mean really who who doesn't doesn't? exactly exactly (laughs) it's fabulous um set your dvr for lifetime and and then there were none also it will be helpful if you know going in that this is and then there were none Ah. have you read the book do you know what i mean Yeah, yeah yeah i've read the book yeah so this is it's not gonna be your miss marple you know ending this is this is very different it's not centered around a detective who's yeah. like there you know or, or Cuparo or Sherlock Holmes or them being someone like that being brilliant it's very different it's much more of a character piece um about a group of people um and about the the, um, the human condition and about the ugliness that can lurk um in people but it's beautifully beautifully made fantastic mm-hmm. performances do you know who's in this cast uh, I know that Aiden Turner's in it. Um, yeah, he's fantastic. Who's, who's been rocking my socks on Poldark um, yeah. last and year. People will also um, know him as, is it Feely or Keely in the Hobbit movies? 
And he was on... I don't know because I fell asleep halfway through the first movie, so <laughs> I, I can't answer that question. Understandable. <laughs> also, the the vampire in oh, what's that show with um, Russell Tovey? Um, oh, the, being 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 human. human. People know him from that. Um, Sam Neill is in this. Yes, Charles yeah. Dance. Oh, I forgot Charles Dance was in this. He's so good. Like every cast member is, and Noah Taylor's in it. Oh, you got me. Like, I love Noah Taylor too. The entire yeah. cast is amazing. Um. And I, I can't remember her name, but one of the female char- uh, characters, or the, one of the actresses in this, um, there's only two. Oh, there's three. There's Miranda Richardson, who, you know, yeah, amazing. Yeah, great. And then right. the other two, um, Maeve something is one of the leads, and I'm not remembering her Dermody. last name. Dermody? Yes, but she's very good. Uh, Darmody. Um, and then the other female Anna lead. Anna Maxwell Martin. Anna Maxwell Martin uh, was fantastic in Return to Pember, or Death Comes to Pember- Pemberley. Uh, which is the like the sequel to Pride and Prejudice that was uh, adapted not that long ago. Um, and so, like again, everybody in this cast fantastic, beautifully shot, beautifully produced, uh, effective scoring, uh, gorgeous costuming, really uh, just like it's really good, guys. It's really good. Um, I was and- really excited about it. I saw Mo Ryan like raving about it, and I, yeah. I didn't even know that this was happening. And yeah. then she like started tweeting about it. I just went, oh, good, something to something else to watch. Yeah, no, I mean, and it was one where um, I because Mo was tw- tweeting about it a bunch, and I was like, ah, yeah. oh, like, do I need another one of these? But she was not kidding. It's very but good. It's three episodes too. It's well, it's only two because it was three two. in the UK, but they um they put it they're putting it over two nights. I think they're just okay. splitting it at a different point. Um, okay. I mean, because it's based on a, on, a no, on a novel, so you can just split it at a different chapter break in the story, yeah. and it'll still work. Um, cool. Yeah, so so they're they're doing it over two nights, and um, again, if you like murder mystery on a dark, mysterious island, and you know the creepy butler and like the uh, mysterious dark, you know, it's like oh, they say that they're this, but are they really this? Oh, Burn Gorman from Torchwood also on there. Yeah, so like it's it's really good and. If you like this kind of thing, check it out. And if you don't know if you like this kind of thing, but you know you like BBC stuff or, like, just really good actors in a mystery, watch it. You will not regret it. Um, okay, that's enough of me pimping and then there were none on Lifetime again. You will think it's on PBS when you look at the ads. You will think it's on BBC America, but it is actually on Lifetime. Um, let's move on to Underground. Uh, the Making Seven. This has been one I've been looking forward to for quite a while. I've seen the first four. You've seen the first one. Yes. So you're going to keep me on this with not accidentally spoiling anything. Um, yes. What did you think of... Well, were you excited for the show leading into it? And what did you think of the premiere? Um, I was interested in the show leading up to the premiere. Um, I hadn't like read much about it. I just knew that WGN America had a show about slavery in the works. And I just went, okay. That sounds interesting. And no one's ever done a show. Right. This, I mean, like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, this is this is kind of a big deal. Okay, let's do this. Mm-hmm. And then, like, some of the reviews started trickling in. They were really positive. And so I watched the first episode, um, and I really, really liked it a lot. Um, it's got a terrific cast of yeah. really... Well, let me, let me re-specify that. It's got a terrific cast of black actors doing really terrific things. They're all really, really good. Um, they're all people you've seen be the black really guy gr- or the black right. woman in other things like a million times. So it's right. awesome to see them get meaty roles. Yes. And then 
On the flip side with the white actors, they got Reed Diamond and Christopher Maloney, both of whom I love. And then they got Mark Lucas, who I can never, ever take seriously in anything. <laughs> and I really can't take him seriously in this. And then they also got Jessica Dugau, who you might remember as Huntress from Arrow, or from that really terrible Dracula show on NBC a few years ago. And they're both just really terrible, and they're stuck in this plot that just I don't care about at all. So I'm going to pretend it doesn't exist. Uh, but the rest of the show is really great. Like, the opening is just so good. Score to Kanye's uh, Black Skinhead. Um, it's just really, really powerful, really, really interesting. And there's a number of other elements as a number of runaway slaves return to their plantation and immediately start planning their next escape. And how do they plan their next escape and how it's cut is, well, we're going to score it and cut it like they're recruiting for a heist. I know, right? (laughs) And I just went, oh, this is so interesting and so good. And my big thing, and whether or not, and I was talking about this with a different coworker from the one that I talked about S.H.I.E.L.D. with, was whether or not the fact that this feels like two different shows sometimes mm-hmm. is purposeful. I think it is on some level. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm worried about how much of a distraction that's going to become. Uh, because aesthetically and tonally, like, the how the slaves are dealing with escaping feels very different from how the white people are living, basically, which is is important and significant to depict a difference, mm-hmm. for sure. But they kind of feel like two shows smashed together, and I'm not in... I, I need to see more, and you've seen more, so maybe you can answer this question without spoiling anything, mm-hmm. um, as to whether or not that tonal difference gets reconciled. But I'm very excited about this show, and... This is maybe a show that I'm going to, like, watch the next three of. <laughs> um, just because I'm I'm interested in it enough that I don't want to, like, savor it in the way that I've been savoring, like, American, crimes, uh, American crime mm-hmm. story. Um, but this is something I kind of, like, really want to burn through right now and see what it go, where it goes from here. But I was, I was pretty darn happy with the premiere. And it also just looks really good. Uh, the location shooting's really nice. The costuming's really nice. Uh, and the, oh gosh, I can't remember his name, but he was one of the main guys on Leverage. And this is a big turn for him, and I'm really excited to see what he get what more he gets to do so tell me what you thought um having seen the next next three episodes but without giving anything away please oh, of course of course <laughs> i will uh, not no spoilers um i'll keep things nice and vague uh, i agree with just about everything that you're saying here about the premiere and the the use of music i think and the the editing to correspond with that and the tone that the show's going for to correspond with that i think is uh, like you said is essential um yeah. for making this work i wasn't like when it opens the way that it does i was uncertain but then the then when that does not become the score for the entire series like something like um um the nick uses the you know has that that energy to the entire series is really driven by the cliff martinez score um this instead combines more modern music with period appropriate music um with sort of more standard um scoring sort of in between so that when you you get a kick of energy when they use a modern uh, you know modern scoring or or um a pop song or a hip-hop song or, or you know that they use a piece 
uh, like the like we get in the opening sequence, it's it's to very specifically make the moment very relatable for the audience and to propel it uh, with with energy. And I think it's I think it's like I said I think it's important that they do not rob the the period element from yeah. the show entirely. I think that's crucial. So the blending of that I think works really really well. We get some more of that in the next few episodes. The the performances like you said are really great. Um, just like to see again to see these actors get to do more interesting characters. I mean like Aldous Hodge I think is who you were talking about. It was, yeah. It was, yeah. Yes. Is, is I've seen him be fabulous in many things, and I was what first got me interested about the show was the fact that Journey's Small at Bet, uh, yes, Small at Bell was going to be the lead. Loved her on Friday yeah. Night Lights; she's yeah. so so great. Um, but you know, for example, somebody like like Alano Miller, who I was significantly underwhelmed by, I must say, on Jane the Virgin, as as uh, Roman uh, Zazo, so good, so good, so good as Cato, yeah. Um, and like they immediately gave some nice depth to the Uncle Tom character, yeah, which is just great. And he's really leaning in, and I really liked it a lot. Yeah, yeah. and and so there, there are other people that we've seen be amazing in many things, but that's one, for example, uh, one of the performers who's here. Who like I expect Michael T. Williamson to be amazing. I expect Adina yeah. uh, Porter to be amazing. Um, so so I really loved getting to see um alana miller get this this kind of character to play i i enjoyed the turn we get with uh chris maloney in the 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 pilot uh the way that that he's introduced um i was like when he's introduced i was like oh they're gonna have him be the good guy i was kind of excited for him to be a bastard again because he's so good at it he Uh, is very good at it and then hey and then turn um so we we get the 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 show, I think, does a pretty good job of balancing between the two, um, or the, not actually even two, like three or four kind of different areas of the show, um, and yeah. differentiating the experience of of characters like Rosalie who are in the house versus people who are out in the field. Um, I think that that works very well. It, like you say, this tone of the heist movie, like this, all like the meticulous planning and all the stuff that would need to go into an escape if it wasn't going to immediately fail, um, I think works so well, um, and they maintain that. Okay, cool. For some of it, and then okay. there's a turn. Okay. Um, and that's all I'll say, but it's also right. very good. Um, and so the, the, cause you, you think from the way it's set up, that's like, okay, now we're going to get like nine episodes of planning and then a season finale where we get the big escape. No, and I, I wasn't expecting that. So, okay. Well, if yeah. people were that we, that we get something else, but um, I think what we do get works well. Uh, I agree that some of the stuff, I mean, I like Mark Lucas more than you do, but I, I think <laughs> some of that works um, better in the, the next couple episodes. I particularly like some of the turns we get with his wife. Okay. Uh, the way that character is handled is not necessarily what I anticipated. Um, the show has much more empathy for her than I was anticipating based on how she's introduced is kind of like, Oh, she's the crazy woman who like was she wants a baby and so therefore we're gonna just kind of make fun of her because she defined she's defined um by this need to have children well i think there's more of that in the pilot like i think that there's something wrong with her yeah well and again they, they introduce the way that they introduce her in that element of it yeah i was not anticipating them to have as uh, to to treat the character with as much respect as they do okay she gets okay. more to do and she gets a lot more shading and nuance um in the next couple of episodes. Um, well, she gets a lot more to do. And they, again, they don't 
they, she's not a one-dimensional character. She is not there to, to to make life difficult for her brilliant husband, like we think Who, might frankly, be the just case. Isn't really brilliant. I mean, but okay. that's that's my bias against Mark Lucas. So, <laughs> so, so there's there's um there's just there's a lot to like. I, okay. I, I'm curious what people are going to think about the fourth episode. Okay. The the stuff that we get with Lucas. Uh, in, in the fourth episode. Um, okay. And that's all I can say about it until you've seen it. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, but on the whole, I'm, I'm super on board. Um, it, it's not like an instant classic for me, but it's, again, it's one of these things about Peak TV, a different type of story than we've ever seen with a different cast than we usually get to see at least on a, sh- a network like WGN. Um, so it just kind of boggles my mind that this is the first time anybody... TV's been around for a while, and nobody has been like, I know, let's actually do a show about where the main characters are. Or it's not like the plantation or the Civil War and there are slaves in the background. We try not to talk about them too much, but actually about this group of characters. Right, or we're well-meaning doctors and nurses at a union hospital who who see th- who are ahead of their time in, right. in race relations. Yeah, sorry, Mercy Street, I gave up on you pretty quickly. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So and there's there's a lot to dive in with, and I'm sure we'll talk about it um, a bit more in the in the coming weeks. But uh, we should probably move on because there are so many shows. Um, what did you think of the Bates Motel premiere? Uh, a danger to himself and others. It was fine. I think Bates Motel has uh, very firmly like figured out what it wants to do and what it wants to be, and it's not willing to st- stray from that too much. Um, and I think it's also really telling that Bates Motel. S- Prior to the premiere airing, they did an 18-minute, here's what happened in the first three seasons type of thing. But their recap was very centered on Norman's development. So all of the various subplots involving uh, Dylan and the drug trade type stuff and the intrigue within White Pine Bay was really downplayed in the the big recap. And that to me was really telling because every time I watch Bates Motel, and I've watched it consistently every season is I almost immediately forget about it once it's over, (laughs) which isn't a great sign, but it's also just like it, it, the fact that I keep coming back to it is in a test is a testament to how really great I think Freddie Highmore and especially Vera Fromagia are on the show. And they continue to be really great. And Highmore is finding new levels for Norman, like even within this premiere, like he's Norman's breaking down, like, mother is coming forward a lot more and like she's just she he's he's mother for like large sections of this episode oh man yeah no he's 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 mother for large sections of like the like the like the last like 10 15 minutes of this episode and it's really compelling performance from freddie highmore and he's been really compelling this entire show i felt like um but some of the other stuff just feels really rote at this point like uh, they have to deal with uh, the fact that he killed Bradley in the finale, uh, but then he kills he kills Emma's mom <laughs> this week in the premiere, strangles her to death with her own scarf. Uh, well, mother strangles her, however you want to slice it. But mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, good, another murder that they have to cover up. I, I, I've done this three times already, show. Uh, I, I, I didn't need you to do this again. <laughs> 
Um, so I'm, I'm not entirely sure where this is going to land on my how consistently I'm going to be watching and how quickly I'm going to be watching it because it feels very samey at this point and the performances may not be enough to break through that. And this idea that Emma's been saved from the lung transplant that Dylan managed to work out for her and now her mom's dead and I'm just like, uh... I'm very much here for the Norman and Norma stuff, but the rest of it surrounding it, again, I think even the show is kind of acknowledging that we're just kind of filling space here (laughs) because otherwise this would have been very much like a two season show at most. Mm -hmm. And now we're in season four. (laughs) Because remember that this show started the same time when we all went, wait, a Hannibal TV show? (laughs) Guys, really? And (laughs) we were, we were very much like a Norman Bates TV show guys. Really? And I'm kind of hitting the roof of really, even mm-hmm. as someone who is a very strong proponent of the show, especially for the first two seasons, uh, when I felt like the show was really firing on cylinders. But we'll see how this goes. I'm not entirely sure how quickly I'll be able to keep up with Bates Motel with a number of other things that I think are a lot more compelling and interesting. But we'll see how this goes. As a premiere, it was pretty much Bates Motel. Okay. Well, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Um, and I'm guessing that means you liked it better than our, our last premiere of the week uh, of Kings and Prophets, Offerings of Blood, because at least it was Bates Motel. Um, right. Okay, so I was I've been, I saw this a while back um, on the screener site and was like, oh, okay, I don't really know what this is, but let's, let's check it out. Uh, and was, first of all, impressed that it wasn't all white people playing biblical heroes, which has happened so many times. Uh, but then I didn't really have anything else that I could hold on to to keep me interested in in this premiere. Like it looked pretty, I guess, but I'm completely uh just I'm not interested at all in of of Kings and Prophets. Um and that's having grown up Catholic with like all these Bible stories. Like these are familiar characters to me. Um uh but I still am not just I'm just not interested. Uh, and I feel kind of bad cuz I feel like I should I've been saying That's about the how Catholic I, guilt talking. I want Kate. like more <laughs> diverse programming and different kinds of story. When's the last time they did a, like a, a biblical epic um, on TV um, that wasn't just like a one, like a movie, a one-off movie, but actually was like interested in characters theoretically. Um, but I just, this, this, the writing and this, just, I, it wasn't there for me. What do well, you think? Here, here, Well, first of all, let me preface this by saying I wrote on almost 1800 word review of kings and prophets damn and a lot of that was dealing with what you were talking about which is this contextualization of the fact that religion isn't something that's on television a lot or when it is depicted it's depicted in very specific ways so this idea of them doing a biblical epic was actually really really fascinating to me and i'm saying this as someone who comes from a lapsed catholic family and is not religious at all and generally identifies as an atheist and I was really interested to see how a show could deal with being a biblical epic or a biblical story as a sustained narrative and not like a one-off and not saying like something like Supernatural where it draws from biblical tradition to craft a mythology or it does something vaguely non-denominationally Christian like Touched by an Angel. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was really interested in this and then I watched it and went, where the fuck's the Bible in any of this? <laughs> because it was so jarring to me that 
Saul and David and everything else. And this is part of me maybe not necessarily knowing my book of Samuel as well as I should uh, to discuss this. <laughs> knowing your book of Samuel like you, as well as you, you that's ridiculous, sir. <laughs> so, but my thing with it was, is that this is, that God isn't anywhere in any of this. Like, Saul's trying to unite the tribes of Israel into a unified whole to deal with the Philistines. And it's about power and him clinging to it. And this kind of mob boss mentality, which comes through really heavily in Ray Winstone's casting. And he's horribly miscast in this show. He's a terrific actor. He has no business being in this show playing this kind of British mafioso type of character. Um, But marrying off his daughter to secure a treaty and this sort of stuff. And there, and Samuel, the prophet being the only one who's like, well, God's God has an issue with some of what we're doing here. And it's just like, well, Yahweh, I suppose is probably a more correct term, but either way, it's just one of those things where I'm just like, religion isn't a factor for any of these characters. And I found that just really jarring and really odd. And, the problem with it was is that a religious angle would have enlivened this show significantly. It would have added a significant amount of depth, I think, and complicated Saul's motivations and Saul's eventual false spoiler alert um, <laughs> for a story thousands of years old. You don't get to claim spoiler when Saul and David have their big confrontation. <laughs> but so I was just really surprised by... Well, I shouldn't say surprised because this is a show that even the producers were pitching at us. If you want your Bible, go to the Bible. We're doing Game of Thrones. And I was just like, guys, I don't like Game of Thrones. And <laughs> you guys doing a sanitized version of Game of Thrones isn't going to get you anywhere. So maybe find some character depth through your source material. But, oh, no, you don't have any character depth. This is a bust. So yeah. that's where I fell on uh, Kings and Prophets. I, you know, I I was about to lead into a whole thing about how God is. If you're going to do the characters from the Book of Samuel, like in the Old Testament, God is a character. He has yes. prolonged conversations. Like we could get into a whole thing about this, but I think you just said it beautifully. Uh, and if if we want to watch Game of Thrones, we'll just watch Game of Thrones. It's going to yeah. be back soon, anyways. Uh, so yeah, uh, yeah. Let's move on. You've said it. Sure. Let's move yeah. on. Uh, American Crime Story, The People vs. O.J. Simpson, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Uh, I'm all caught up. We're all on the same page with <laughs> American Crime Story. Uh, I've been uh, hyping up this episode in particular for a while. Uh, did I overhype it for you? What did you think of Marsha, Marsha, Marsha? No. Like, I mean, between this and a race, the race card last week's episode, mm-hmm. um, this was a one-two punch of amazing. And it was specifically a one-two punch of amazing because of their singular focuses. Of Darden's focus on grappling with race within this case, and then this week's episode of Marsha, 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 dealing with issues of femininity and being a woman, basically, in this environment. And just, it was just great. And Sarah Paulson just was doing really subtle things and it was just a really terrific episode and even like even things when we're talking about like how this episode like discusses femininity and being a woman just the fact that there's that and Carrie Reisler meant, tweeted this and which is why I remembered to mention this is the fact that 
you have that quick cutaway to NBC debating whether or not to preempt daytime programming, meaning soap operas. Mm-hmm. And Carrie just immediately went, this is the beginning of the end of the daytime soap opera, and she's correct. And that's a really significant thing when you think about the audiences who watch soap operas and that sort of thing. And all, yeah. all of this is bundled up in this really big episode about womanhood, motherhood, about how we talk about women in the media, about how she was too hard. So she softened herself by getting a really just terrible perm. <laughs> And then being lambasted for doing that. There's no way of winning. And just all of this, like the struggle with having to go and deal with her kids. And then her husband being a complete and fucking asshole. Fuck that guy. Yeah. And just all of it. And her first husband, too. Both (laughs) of the husbands, pieces of shit in this. Yes. So all of it, just really great. Just really 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 great and no so no you didn't hype it and now that you get to talk about it talk about it uh well and one of the things that you mentioned is the focus of these last two episodes and i i could not agree more but what i one of the things and i saw i can't remember where i saw this uh because there are so many great people talking about and writing reviews of this episode so i apologize i got this uh i saw this somewhere else uh, and i agree with whoever it was who wrote it but the fact that we go from Johnny Cochran being such a central figure and such a uh, positive figure in the yes. previous episode to an antagonist here uh, just works incredibly well. And, and, and steadily happened, like, even last week. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just this reminder that they're all people. They're all people in this situation. Um, but, and I've also been reading some interviews with Marsha Clark, you know, getting her reaction to the show, too, which has been really interesting. But... Um, and the reason she got the perm is because she had two kids and she didn't have time to do her hair every day. Uh, yeah. She was at work um, and it, she didn't really, you know, she wasn't like trying to look super hot. But, you know, but what I think that like that's such a thing that the the, the history, I guess, has made fun of Marsha Clark for her hair. Yeah. Um, and I I love the humanity this episode has for her with that, um, because I don't know if it's possible for guys to to know what this feels like but probably I, not i but like you know because it's so easy to dismiss somebody like crying after a bad haircut or like but women in america we get so we get trained from so young that how we look matters and uh and and we're, we get our emotions it's very hard to not get your emotions tied up in your physical appearance and i remember i one year for chris for for halloween I was being Amy Pond, so I needed to have red hair. And uh, a bottle of washout hair dye was way cheaper than a wig. So I was like, okay, this has like 10 washes and it'll come out. Awesome. So I dyed my hair. I looked in the mirror and I did not see myself. Like it was, I had the moment of like not seeing, of like, of, of just that, like that dysmorphia or whatever that people talk yeah. about. And it was just, it was just for a moment, but it was just like really jarring and freaky. Um, to experience and i i've i've had uh, you know time where you get a a haircut and you just and if you you don't like it just just getting really angry and not understanding why i was so angry and just realizing that i felt like the person hadn't listened to me and this wasn't me and what did this say about and all of this insane level of stuff that gets tied up into our hair and that's 
that's as a white woman too there's the whole the in the black culture with with hair is a whole other thing too so like this is not you know there's there's a lot of stuff with hair but um in our in our culture but um the 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 respect and humanity that the show has for that moment for like in Sarah Paulson's performance of like, you know, Darden gives her like the little, pra- you know, that praise and just a little bit of a self-conscious thing. But I think, I just think that's such a, a I think it's so difficult for, for men to understand what that feels sure. like. It's such a, it's, it's, it's such a thing that theoretically we shouldn't care about. We shouldn't be so caught up in, but it's it's just visceral and, and there's no reason for it to be other than that we just get it gets ingrained into us from the time we're we're so young oh isn't your hair so pretty it was your hair so beautiful if you get it have it done up when you're a little kid um that it's just yeah i think the way that they handled that as, as well as just all the stuff that i never knew did you know any of this stuff about marsha clark like filed for divorce three days before the the shooting and I was vaguely aware of it. Like, um, ex-husband released naked pictures of her while the trial was happening. I knew that. Um, yeah. But, I didn't um, know any of this stuff, so yeah, it was really yeah. eye-opening. Yeah, I was vaguely aware of some of, like, her personal life stuff that was happening around the same time. But, I mean, most of what stood out, I remembered the the photos. And I, of course, remembered the haircut because that was just something that was everywhere. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. But, yeah, so for me, that I because I didn't have that context it was that was also like even more like I remember like people listeners to the television will know that when season one of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt ended with that whole Marsha Clark thing and Tina Fey coming in I didn't think it was funny then now it's even less funny uh so (laughs) can we stop making fun of people because we think we don't like their hair if they're not if their job isn't to have good hair can that be a thing that we don't make fun of and you know degrade someone for in our culture it would be nice it would be nice yeah so we had there was a lot of stuff this week uh, going on this week with um like the whole stuff with with uh kim kardashian and there's like lots of yeah no this that's a really good point to make and connect all this back to yeah yeah but anyways i really like this episode excellent performances and again just so so human oh any other thoughts no, um, and but now you have now you have to like start watching it again. I know we'll, we'll be watching it uh, real time. It's gonna be great. Are you gonna like? Are you gonna like watch it real time? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna watch it real time. I think it's for the best. I think it's for the best. Okay. Um, let's move on to our next show. This is like gonna be one of the longest episodes in television history. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. We're gonna talk about Limitless because what are we gonna do? Not talk about Limitless this episode? Because it was really encounters? good this week. It was so good. What did you think? Um. It's so funny because we've been talking about Limitless and how fun it is and how, but also how nice of a job it does in giving just enough menace to keep things going with uh, Senator Mora or Sands. And then this week it was just like, oh, all this shit is hitting the fan, guys. Mm -hmm. And it was an intense episode. Like... It was really like the first time in Limitless where I just went, oh, no, 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 don't. Let's not talk about this weird kind of fun case of the week you guys have going on because fuck that shit. (laughs) We got some real shit going down. And so all this stuff with um, his family, with his sister finding the other two pills and giving them to his family Mm -hmm. and being like, and him not having any more spare NZT. Well, 
he he does because he lifted it but excuse me the day's catching up with me um is that it was just a really intense episode of character relationships breaking down and Brian being on his own, which I think is the really significant part about this episode. Um, so Rebecca basically being like, uh, no, we're not doing this anymore. I've defended you and have consistently done this, and you've answered me with lies. Thanks. I'm not doing this anymore. You can have fun with Boyle. He's not going to put up with this shit. <laughs> and Or someone else to be seen. And then his family just like being completely and totally like, his dad knew, and his mom is just like, I'm not having anything to do with this anymore either. His sister turning him in. Just all of this stuff. I mean, and then he leaves to go on the lamb, basically, to solve this problem himself so that he can fix everything. And I'm just really excited about what this is going to do and what this means. And this is, this is such a huge step for the show to make in season one, I feel like. Mm-hmm. This entire thing, I feel like, is a season one finale type yeah. of move. Yeah. And they're doing it in, like, what what episode is this? This is episode 17. That's what I was going to say. This I expected all of this, but I expected this in, like, episode 21 into 22, yeah. like, finale cliffhanger. Yeah. Uh, I did not anticipate it coming so quickly after what we got. Like, the the sister coming to talk to the family just immediately, basically. Yeah. And I think that's that's a real sign of confidence that the show has in itself. Yes. That it's doing this right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not right off the bat, but it's doing it before the finale. Like, and I think there's something like when I went through a lot of person of interest and I just went, they paced themselves, but they were like still figuring out how all their pieces worked mm-hmm. and fit together. And like the biggest thing that I can, most recent thing that I can equate it to is an episode from The Flash that was episode 15, which is that episode with the tidal wave and yeah. Harrison killing Cisco with the vibrating hand. Sorry, spoilers, I guess. <laughs> and um, then that was episode 15. And even in my review of that episode, I wrote 15 years ago, that would have been a season one finale. Mm-hmm. And it was episode 15. And like this would have been a season finale, basically. Or at least part one of part two finale yeah and that the show's doing this in episode 17 and please talk about more of the because i need to like catch my breath <laughs> is that this is really significant and a real sign of confidence from the show itself well and also can we just say since we talked about the cw at the top here uh limitless coming back for season two we're very excited is it oh yeah i, I missed this news because i've been sick Oh, yeah, no, the, the CBS also renewed all of its freshman series. Oh, God. So Supergirl's coming back. Eh. is coming back. Yes. <laughs> Very exciting. Um, but okay, yeah, I, well, I feel much better now. Anyway, sorry, continue. Yeah. No, no, that's, that's again, any, any listeners who didn't know that, your day just got better. But, um, yeah, I like the way that they that they mislead with Mike and Ike and at the end, and you think that we're getting more, like, relationship cutesiness with Rachel, um, and it's not that at all. Um, I, I like that they are willing, that they're bringing back Georgina, starts with an H, I want to say, the the previous um, NZT yes. uh, person he didn't kill. Apparently, like, it seems like she'll be back next week. or Based on the promo, else. yeah. Yeah, and, and, and the way that the show is not turning 
Brian's uh, need to make things right with Rebecca into a love interest thing, but into a partnership. And it's like he's, you know, he's telling himself, like, you don't know if, if you can trust Foyle as much as you could trust Rebecca. You need to give Rebecca back because you know she'll definitely have your back. It's that, but it's more than that. It's, it's because they were partners and really good friends and allies and colleagues and he betrayed her and he knew that and it was eating him up and so it's not because he likes her it's not because they're the show's eventual couple should they decide to to go that way but if they do but (laughs) but it's because it's because he knows he hurt her i just love that they do not feel the need to simplify that emotion and and to write it off into just a straightforward um romantic you know like like way that he realizes that he loves her or yeah. something like that which I, a, a lesser show would have done right because it's not about him loving her it's about him still being a fuck up mm-hmm. and that's where this is coming from is like he's been taking nzt to prove that he's not a fuck up and he fucked up yeah and that's what this is and that it's so core to how he operates that he's wanting to fix it. And I love that. And that's just a big part of who he is. He wants yeah. everybody to be happy. He wants everybody, you know, and when those, when in uh, Unstoppable Force means an immovable object, you're gonna have a crash. Like, it's the only thing that can happen. And so he, he's been trying to juggle all these balls and trying to keep everyone happy and trying to, you know, keep smiling and, he's at a point where that can't happen anymore. And the show bringing back his family in this episode, I think was really great. We've been enjoying getting time away from them, but I think they brought them back at just the right time. Yes. Um, we've not gotten like anything really with Naz, but I imagine that will change, um, here significantly in the next few episodes. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's like you said, the confidence of this in clearly they have a specific five episode arc plan for the end of the, or four or whatever for the end of the season. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, yeah. Because the jig's up with, with yeah. Sands. It's got to be. So yeah. we'll see what they do next. I have no idea what they're going to do. I don't either. But Isn't I'm really excited. Feeling? It is. And I'm really excited to find out. Yeah. Well, let's move on to our next show. That's Elementary Hounds. They did their take on Hound of the Baskervilles. Uh, what did you think? Well, first, um, let me just say how much I enjoyed um, this show throwing some say- shade at um, Sherlock this week. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty fun. Um, because they, they did their Hounds of the Baskerville riff, and if you didn't watch the Sherlock Hounds of the Baskerville riff, and I was one of the few people who kind of liked that episode. I liked it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and part of that is just the fact that I just really like the Hounds of the Baskerville story. And I just like Russell Tovey. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but, so that episode dealt with, like, genetically modified hounds and like really weird shit and so they show us a dog who's been biogenetically engineered with jellyfish stuff to glow in the dark and that wasn't the culprit and they even like one of the writers i think tweeted the fact that they were that they assured us that their hound was not a bio (laughs) (laughs) and i just went oh you guys i see what you're doing and i really like it as and i love it (laughs) and as someone who doesn't like Sherlock, um, I, I I got a little bit of glee, but th- one of my favorite things about Elementary consistently is the fact that the show 
draws from a lot of like rip from the headline stuff but does so in like really fun ways so like last week was about like air rights building skyscrapers which is a huge thing in new york right now and continues to be but then this week it was about basically boston dynamics's atlas robots and their mm-hmm. fido robot because people have been trying to make those kind of pack mule robotic dogs work for a while now and it was just really fun to watch that play out and that to be the reveal I thought it was really interesting for that sort of stuff. And then I just liked how they faked a death. I liked how both of the guest stars were not the culprits. The yeah. recognizable guest stars were not the culprits this week. Because you had Tom Everett Scott, and then you had, um, what's his name from Mad Men? Yeah. And, Don't have it in front of me, yeah. Yeah, and so I really liked that neither of them were the bad guys this week. Because um, <laughs> I thought that was really fun play against expectations. And it was just kind of a really fun episode and a really solid procedural work, and but with a very nice um, small one-off story with Eugene, the Emmy that has been recurring for a couple of seasons now, uh, dealing with the fallout from the bombing that happened in his morgue a few weeks ago, and I was just, I was really impressed that that even came back up because I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting it to come up, and then it came up and was like a small subplot dealing with uh self-medication and i mean it was very tiny but it was very it was done well enough for the amount of time that we've had exposure to that character i thought and yeah i just really liked this episode on a lot of levels it was a very solid episode of the show that tickled my fancy because it was hounds of baskerville how did you feel about this I liked it. it. I did not as much as you did. Uh, yeah. I wasn't as bold. It was my idea to talk about this one. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but but I did enjoy it, and um, I liked the reveal of uh, no guys. It's a robot that makes <laughs> way more sense. Uh, that that was good. Um, again, like you said, the not having it, the guest, you know, the guest star did it. You know, subverting that trope was nice, and um, I, I enjoyed the subplot with the chess as well. For me, it felt a bit. We want to bring in a new guest star as an enemy. Sure. What can we do to get, you know, like we need to, but we want to actually have it not just be a thing that happens off screen. So let's, so that feels like a little bit like them maybe setting up a new like villain or something. I don't know, but yeah, we'll see what happens with it. Maybe I'm just being skeptical for not. Um, And the other thing I'll say is I am a little uh, disappointed that, I was trying to pull up the Wikipedia. I can't remember the character's name. I'm a little disappointed that we have not spent any time with Sherlock's new girlfriend. Oh, right. Yeah, she hasn't been around since they kind of went, okay, we're going to try this. This is a thing. We're going to break ground for representations of uh, of this type of character on TV and then not represent her by having her on the show. Um, neuro- neuroatypical characters. So, um I'm really hoping she'll be around again soon. soon. Uh, but yeah, that's that's my only sort of lingering disappointment. And that was the last episode, too. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, no, it was a fun episode. And like you say, always enjoy a little shade thrown for Lexi. I remember when I was just so gung-ho for Sherlock. Me, too. And now I'm just like, that's a show, man. It is a show. It. It's a thing. Mm. It is a thing. Um, any final thoughts on elementary? No, let's 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 wrap this up. Let's wrap this up. We've only been going for forever. Right. If any of our listeners are still with us, good on you. Good on you. Yeah. 
I'm impressed I'm still with us considering how I'm like really close to just falling apart. Like nearly dead. He's yeah. nearly dead, listeners. Uh, super trooper over there. Um, well, our last episode this week is the finale of American Crime, which wrapped up its second season um, and and left us with a question mark. Really. Lots of question marks. Lots of question marks. Um, I'm curious what you thought of, of this finale. I, I got to be honest, I was a little underwhelmed by it and by the in retrospect by the last couple episodes a few episodes um but on the whole i'm still very very positive on the season and the performances and the writing and the topics and the conversation that the show uh was interested in having and and did have uh i just i'm a little it just feels a little bit like they 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 think that they're profound by ending on question marks or they're deep or something like we know that he's gonna just because you don't show us what happens immediately after you cut to black doesn't mean we don't know what happens. Um, I don't know. I, so that just felt a little manufactured, I guess, to me. Sure. How did you feel about it? Well, I think we ran into this problem after Taylor um, shot Wes. Yeah, I would agree. The fact of the matter was is that we weren't entirely sure how the show was going to tie everything up. And in a way that felt dramatically satisfying. It didn't need to feel unambiguous. It just needed to feel character satisfying. And for the most part, I think that the main problem was that it kind of fell victim to its own sprawl. Um, In the, the hacker vigilante aspect probably just never needed to be here at all. Um, Even if it is a very, representative example of what I think that this episode, what this season and what the show, but specifically this season, uh, wanted to be about. And it's basically summed up when they brought back um, for his one speech uh, the fellow who played the dad um, mm-hmm. in the first season of um, the guy who ran the auto shop, um, whose name I can't remember, but he's a really good actor. It's yeah. because I'm tired. Um But his little speech, um, when he's talking about how we move forward and how we talk about ourselves and talk to one another and relate to one another, I mean, that's what this show's about. And the fact of the matter was is that this season has been very much about people not talking to one another and not listening to one another. And that's, like, where the hacker thing comes in from is, like, this is what happens when we don't listen to one another is that we get this kind of bullshit. Or we get the kind of thing where, well, no, we get that kind of bullshit, or we get the kind of thing where it's too late for you to talk to me now because you've ruined all of this for me, where we see with um, Eric's brother. Mm-hmm. And so there's all of this sort of thing, and because of that, we keep repeating these cycles of, yes, we know Eric's going to get in that car, but it was preventable. But we didn't prevent it because we were too wrapped up in our own bullshit and not being able to see one another and see past ourselves. And I think that's a really significant message for the show to go out on. Just dramatically, it just didn't tie together, I think, as well as the show was hoping it was going to. And I think, honestly, if they had had one more episode, if they had had that 11th episode that they had last season... That they didn't have this season. I think that probably would have maybe made a difference. Um, but yeah, so I generally was. Pr- I liked this. I think I liked the finale a little bit more than you did. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I can also totally agree with you on a number of ways of that it just didn't totally hit on a lot of ways. At the same time, um, Felicity Huffman's character still got booted out, so <laughs> <laughs> too bad. Ding dong, yeah, yeah, ding dong type of thing. Um, I, I want to ask you about um, Regina King mm-hmm. and how her storyline, if we want to call it a storyline, her arc, yeah, if we want to call it an arc, because <laughs> it felt like. They drifted really far afield from that family after the beating. And so I kind of got lost, but how did you feel about her basically being asked to go to St. Louis? I think that... um, For her emails. For her emails, yeah. uh, I mean, I can see that happening. Yeah. But um, my issue with the Regina King character is that... I mean, I can absolutely buy her finding out her son was supposed to be killed. Somebody hated her son enough to kill him um, because of, you know, like I can, I can absolutely buy that being a life changing and perspective shattering event for her um, being at that funeral. But it felt like that flipped a switch and all of a sudden she was the moral compass of the show. And so it was, she went from this really domineering figure who had horrible gender politics and was basically raising her son to be terrible to um we need to stop talking we need to get our son to talk to us and we need to like she was just right basically all the time um after that and it it didn't feel organic to me um and like because and if it had been like we got more more with her, more time with her, yeah. or in, her interacting with more people. That could have worked a lot better for me. Um, I really loved that scene we got with her and the employee she had let go. Yes. Like, I thought that was a really, that worked really well. But then I wanted more follow-up on that. Yes. Um, so, I think, and it's like you said with the sprawl, that's where having so many characters becomes difficult. Um, after we have the, the shooting... I think because they introduced like the hacking and they were still trying to figure out the the other school high school principal stuff with all that um they it's like they were still I was still waiting for there to be more plot and there wasn't no at that point so then we were spending the last few episodes on basically denouement but the characters right. didn't know that <laughs> so yeah I, I think that that looking back on the season, there's a bit of a conflict there. I would much rather have spent the time on the fallout and there's still drama in that. There's still yes, there's... plenty to drive the episodes, but it couldn't, it felt like the show wanted to convince us it was still in rising action. Yes. When really it should have been falling action. Yeah, no, it's, oh God, I'm so glad you used like falling action denouement because when I was watching the finale, I, and thinking about the uh, last week's episode as well, I was very much in the sense of, all right, we're going through falling action, but I even said to myself the phrase falling action, which I mean, just tells you everything you need to know about me, I guess. (laughs) Um, But I was just like, but uh, I'm not, I, it was, it was just, it was the sprawl and it was the fact that the hacker and the public school stuff felt more like ripple effects Mm -hmm. from the stuff that centered out from the private school, which I think is an interesting idea. It just wasn't dramatically handled well. 
And so, yeah, I, 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 I still think that this season and this show are significantly important and um, are, have been really provocative on a whole number of levels, narratively, aesthetically, performance-wise. Um, just someone get all of these kids new programs immediately. For the love of God, please get them back on TV as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the other thing, and we talk about falling action, is the fact that we were in falling action for basically since the shooting. And the show shifted away from the characters I were I was most deeply invested in, which were Eric and Taylor. Mm-hmm. And to the adults, and God, the adults, like I said last week, were the, uh, just the worst. How privileged <laughs> can you be? I'm going to go to the cops and be like, yes, you have evidence of my daughter selling drugs, but punish me instead. Like, that is not how it works. Yeah. Like, and the fact that you think that that's how it works just emphasizes your bubble and like just how, how again, how privileged you are. Yeah, <laughs> you think that this is what happens, and that was really well done too. Yeah. Um. So no. Um. No. This was this was still a really really great season. Um, and a really still just a really really great show. Um, just really failed to like really hit 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 its landing which is a ridiculous thing to say based on the previous seven episodes the show doled out Mm -hmm. because those seven episodes were incredible and kind of who cares yeah they didn't because it was still really 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 great yeah well i also think i needed a little bit more awareness from someone who isn't a rapist in the finale that a kid is dead yeah and I, because we're so with Taylor and we're so with his mom, um, I think that got lost a bit. Sure. And so we're like, we're empathizing with Taylor's rapist, but we're not empathizing with Taylor's victim. Yeah. That seems a little messed up to me. Now, in retrospect, do you think it was a mistake to do the shooting and to have it be fatal? I'm making a squinty face, which only Kate can see right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hurting his brain. His fried brain that is on meds. I, it's not very kind of me. No, no, no. But also because I'm not entirely sure I have a good answer to that question. Yeah. Um, I don't. I know I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't think. I mean, to be fair, it's a much easier question to say I don't have an answer to than say um, any of um, <laughs> any of Sean's, uh, Sean's questions. Um from Hannibal, but um, it's one of those instances where I feel like the shooting marked a shift in the shows, and I said this when it happened, is that it marked a really significant emphasis in what the show thought its crime Mm -hmm. was, and um, even though, again, part of the show's intent is that all of this is bound up together, and but so much of the fallout from the so much of the falling action to continue to use these phrases was focused on the shooting um made it really difficult to remember the stuff that came before it in the in a in a really bizarre yeah. sort of way and um that i think i think you're i think based on your question 
having it be fatal ended up detracting from a lot of the other stuff. But if it hadn't been fatal, I don't think we would have gotten mm -hmm. all of it either. So it's in a weird Catch-22 type of situation where they probably shouldn't have done that. But then they wouldn't have gotten this last little bit that they wanted to drive home how interconnected a number of this stuff ends up being. Yeah, I think that's very well said. Cause... And I, I'm, I, like you earlier, I am splitting that baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because if, if the shooting doesn't happen, we don't get the Columbine episode. Yeah. And I wouldn't want to not get that episode. Correct. And if the shooting happens but isn't fatal, then that's too easy. Right. So they're oh. really in a difficult place. But yeah. So I don't have a good answer. I, I, asking a question to which I do not have the answer. But I would which love is, to know what listeners Which is fair. Think. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, on that note, unless – do you have more? Anything else you wanted to talk about? With the, Even if I did, I don't think I could. <laughs> I just, okay. On that note, what wins your week in drama? That is a terrific question. Um, what does win my week in drama? Um, I'm going give, to give it to American Crime Story this week. Um, just because Marsha, Marsha, Marsha was a terrific hour of television. And I will also give it, for things that aired this week, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. If I included the Americans from next week, it would be Which you can't, but you can save it for next week. I'll save it for next week. <laughs> um, a few show notes. You can find a post-up for this episode at theteleverse.org, which is the website for the for the podcast. You can email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, uh, where you can like the page to follow the podcast and start up a conversation there. You can um, also find us in iTunes-ish iTunes has decided that the M4A doesn't need to show up in there, despite it being uh, in the feed. I don't know. On. I have no idea what's happening. It's really frustrating, listeners, uh, for me. But hopefully tech support is on it. I've sent an email. I will hopefully be hearing from them soon. But you might not be able to find the M4A in iTunes, but you can find the MP3 in iTunes, and you can find the M4A. You can download it at the website. Uh, we are available just about everywhere else, but apparently for some reason not in iTunes. I don't know why. I apologize. Because iTunes is terrible. Well, there's that. There's mm -hmm. that. Um, uh, and again, please do keep telling me, listeners, if there's an issue with how you usually get the podcast, if it's not showing up or something. Otherwise, I will not know. So please do keep telling me because uh, I check, but that doesn't always mean that I get correct information. Um, what else? Um, you can find both of us on Twitter. I am at the Televerse. Noel, you are? At Noel RK. You can find my writing up at the AV Club. You can find Noel's writing over at TV.com. Uh, Not for and the next week or so, because nothing's on that I'm reviewing, which yeah, is great. Which is great, because you need to heal up, because I've broken you now with this marathon recording. <laughs> but uh, it was so good. This it was, was so much fun. This was a really... I don't care what anyone else says. I feel like this is probably our best episode that we've done together so far. I think this was a really good episode. Internet high five. Freeze Internet spring. high five. Awesome. Um, you Now we're going to take a break and you guys are going to take a break and go to a different podcast File. episode yeah. <laughs> uh, because you wouldn't want another hour on top of this. Um, and that's with Mo Ryan of Variety talking about The 100, the episode 13, um, and how we relate to traumatic character deaths on TV. We're going to send to that with, uh, we're going to 
leave the podcast this week with a um, a song by a part of the fan, the the 100 fan community. The song is called "Take Care" and it's written by Taylor Cox. Uh, you can find her on Twitter at Taylor Cox T A Y L A H C O X X. She's a singer songwriter, um, and you can also find her on SoundCloud. But the song on Sound SoundCloud um, it is written from the point of view of Lexa at the end of the episode 13. So yeah, look up Taylor on 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 Twitter and and follow the links there to her SoundCloud account if you want to to get a copy of the song or or respond to it there and thank you taylor for letting us use your song and uh you can go to our other our separate podcast episode to listen to our thoughts about 13 all of the thoughts but for now uh we'll be be back next week uh for another episode of the televerse thank you for sticking with us thank you indeed Yeah.